Hello, and welcome to the DNY Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I am excited to see more of my good buddy, Jeff Keighley, tomorrow night, Owen. I'm very happy to be into gaming this week. You're already dating us here? You're already telling everybody that it's happening tomorrow? They're going to listen to this episode later on and, and hear our thoughts on it. Do you want to start over? I'm sorry. Did I butcher this whole fucking thing? No, it's it's fine, but you're just like uh, placing us firmly in the timeline when when this episode was going to stand outside of that timeline. Then bleep everything I said. Just bleep the entire 10-minute statement, and we just carry on. And the other person that speaks on this podcast is the best gamer I know, Mark Gorski. How are you? I'm terribly sad, Owen. Terribly sad? Why is that? It's it's one of the worst days of the podcast, I want you to know. Elaborate. All year, I've been working hard, making moves, making plays in the fantasy critic drag. And now it's over. And everything... Has fallen through the cracks of my fingers. As I now sit in last place, I've lost. I tried so hard, but I flipped a coin for this last game I needed. I just needed 10 little points, 10 measly points to win and beat Peter and put him in the dust. And I had to pick between two games. And I chose the worst game. And now it's sitting at a 69, and I have objectively lost. <laughs> what was the game that you could have considered? Uh, a Highland Song is the name of the game. Indie game that showed up at a lot of showcases throughout the year. And I was kind of maybe interested in it. But I was like, I don't think this is going to get enough coverage at the end of the year. So I don't even know if it's going to get a review. And it's sitting at an 82 right now on Open Critic. So kind of a bummer. I'm personally thinking that not even to put out for public release, I might just do this for myself. Just make a a supercut of Peter talking about how horrible my team was on the pod and just like keeping that for, I for still stand reasons. by it. I don't care. You won because of a DLC you picked up last minute that you did not. I don't believe you had future connected. Um, at the start of the year. Now, uh, no, I didn't. Not. It's future. That's redeemed. what saved your, Future redeemed. Without that, Joe beats you. That saved your whole fucking year. Well, without that, James would have beaten me. But if you take that 20 points away, I'm at 141. James is at 144. I would have had another game spot. Like, I still would have filled that. I still stand by that a lot of your list was shit. And now that I played another game that saved you, Sea of Stars... That game did not deserve that high of praise. Because if you got to the end of the game and you thought that game was still that good, you, I don't know what to tell you. You got you got something in your eyes and ears. Everyone, you need to get checked. I I even did this with a zero. How many zeros did we ultimately have? Mark had two. Peter had. I had a lot. You had three. Yeah. Um, with the negative four. Of last case of the Fox. Oh wait, no, no. You had you had four zeros because Minecraft Legends got a seventy. Um, I had one. James had one. 
and Joe had one, but he also had a negative one with Pokemon. What is Scarlet the sadder story? The fact that Joe lost with Tears of the Kingdom or Mark's List? I think Mark's List. Mark's List is far sadder. Um, Mark, I really want you to like try next year. <laughs> I had a good team, but Redfall shit the bed. Avatar was a bad pick. Unfortunately, now, but my actually, hands now that I look at it, you you had two. No, really, only one indefensible pick, and that's unbeatable. You probably should have done a little more research into your Final Fantasy fourteen DLC pick, um, because you probably could have figured out if you thought about it just for two minutes more that it probably wasn't going to come out. I wanted to believe. I was I was big on taking risks that day and believing in the smaller games that I thought were coming out, and most of them did not end up coming out. And I had to swap out my entire team throughout the year to try to come back from this. And it almost worked for fourth place. The it thing I worked. will say is you got screwed by bad picks that you shouldn't have expected them to be that bad. So Redfall being the obvious one because it was made by an incompetent gaming company that doesn't know how to publish good first-party games. Um. That's how you really feel. <laughs> and the one that really hurts you, especially compared to the performance from last year you had to compare it to, was Destiny 2 Lightfall coming in at a 71. Yeah, I was really reliant on that one. Like, we, no one in the league had any reason to believe that that was just going to be a major dud. James and I were about to pick that if you hadn't. Like, that's, that's how sure we were. I mean, Light, I mean, the Witch Queen was one of my best performing games last year. Mm-hmm. And now I Bungie thought. is apparently... Um, I mean, Bungie's a disaster, I guess. Have you yep. guys seen any of that? Oh, I did. I read the article earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you think there's any reality to the talk that like PlayStation could just like outright absorb them? I mean, if it's in the contract they signed that Bungie is consistently not meeting like their financial requirements, then... I don't know if that's this if that's what they signed on to, then I guess technically they could. This was Jim Ryan's legacy, actually. The downfall of Bungie and just eating them up. Imagine though, all we can point to with Jim Ryan is a bunch of live service games that will probably come out and flop and the destruction of Bungie. Look, no one is more excited to dance on Jim Ryan's grave than us. No one. Uh, like the, the, his legacy is great. I hope Jim Ryan lives much longer and a happier life. But in terms of his professional career, PlayStation, no one is more eager to dance on his grave than us. I, I'd agree. I'm sure there are people out there that that rival us, or or they're but we more willing them. to say, um, like out of pocket, like dance on the actual grave stuff. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully hopefully he doesn't take Bungie down with him. Even though, I mean, I, from what I hear, I don't like the current state of Bungie. Well, it sounds like Bungie is just taking themselves down and Sony's just watching from the sidelines at the moment. I, one thing I've done in the last two weeks here is I watched that Half-Life documentary. And it was good. And it also just kind of 
put me on a train of like then i was watching left for dead videos and then i'm watching counter-strike videos and just like uh, stuff about old valve games and it had me feeling nostalgic for like technically valve if you actually look at their release cadence like they still technically release games they just don't release like original single player games anymore um and when you hear those people the valve people talk about what it was like developing the first half-life and you can find endless amounts of bungee con content of what it was like to develop the the first three games and everything just seemed so much more like it seemed scrappier smaller teams where everyone actually knew each other less corporate and then these companies i mean they they get a taste of endless money and they sell their souls for it it's really it's really disappointing is is there a world where the like scrappy game dev making a AAA game even comes back? Like everything feels more corporatized nowadays. Am I wrong for thinking this? Um, well, like I don't, I I can't say like it makes a comeback realistically at this point. Like making a game is just so expensive a lot of the studios that had the big layoffs this year are studios that just did not have a hit that kind of came out and it's just kind of the big cost here so i feel like things are just going to be played pretty safe for the foreseeable future and the people who are taking risks are going to be the indies and some of them will pop off and that's that's where we're going to see the cool quirky stuff and that's that's not really new at this point that's just kind of how the ball's been rolling it's a shame. Um, well, everyone bow down to me as the champion of the BNY Gaming Critic League, and I look to repeat next year and defend my title. Do we know about our predictions, or do we not want to talk about that? I'll save that for maybe once the year is all over. Cause... Yeah, we can do that for the year-end episode. Uh, you bring it up on recording. Yeah. We, we brought up off recording of what are we going to do for the year end episode and that's a that's a great idea so let's add that to the plans for the year end episode okay peter what i was going to say is that technically i still have a month left for some of my predictions to come true so i i've got time oh he'll be milking the clock yeah that donkey kong movie's going to be announced any day now yeah i mean i'm still waiting on owen to watch the mario movie for one of my predictions <laughs> yeah know. owen uh, a perk of my my current job working for a school is that I have a lengthy Christmas break. So, could be perfect Mario movie time. It didn't just come to Netflix like a day or two ago. So, and different. I've I've had a Peacock for a long time actually, and it's been on Peacock uh-huh. for a while. Um, so. I'll make that happen, and maybe I'm feeling in a generous mood where where I could give it the mark of an eight point eight out of ten. Please do. <laughs> please come in with an open mind and some low expectations, please. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was uh, how was both of your Thanksgivings? How, how was the Gorski Thanksgiving this year? I was sick. You were. Yeah, I was we sick. Were quite sick. Mark I'm and my mother it. were sick. I was so, healthy as a clam. 
So did you guys stay home? Like what happened? We had like a makeshift Thanksgiving at home. We had to go get an organic turkey like on the morning of whatever they had really. And we we were lucky enough to have already bought a couple of things for Thanksgiving in case there was like a snowstorm that they're kind of warning about earlier in the week. So with all that, we may do and had a tiny little Thanksgiving dinner as I had a terribly, terribly sore throat and my mother was just coughing her brains out. Oh, that's a shame. But at least mm-hmm. you still had some food. We had food and we had family. That's what mattered. Right, Peter? You're right, Mark. Thank you. But how about you, Owen? How was your Thanksgiving? Mine was good. It was uh, spent with my girlfriend's family. Um, not a typical Thanksgiving for them. This was a a Thanksgiving that was turned into a pseudo family reunion of sorts. So, the, I mean, there were like 30 people there. Um, but again, not the typical thing. It was the first... Like major holiday that I spent with her family, um, mainly just because we haven't been in a rush to to do those sort of things. Because it's like, well, we're going to be splitting time, possibly for the rest of our lives here, so might as well like enjoy time with our families. But this was the right year for me to join them, and it was uh, it was quite good. It's quite good. Where's Teddy for this? Teddy came with us, and he did oh, great. Actually, gosh, was there other dogs? <clears throat> there was um two other dogs and he got along great with both of them. I he's just a very chill dog. Um like there there are points where I can tell like he starts getting overwhelmed and stressed out by things and that will lead him to start getting into too many things. But um once I like in those moments I would typically just put a a leash on him for a minute and he'd hang out with me and then he would be totally fine. So it all worked out pretty good. All right. That's a spectacular part of the story. I didn't know Teddy was going to make an appearance. Yeah. In the story. No, and he he had a blast from what I could tell. A blast. I'm, I'm going to talk to your dog about Turkish politics. I'm going to see if he reacts if I show him like a picture of the president of Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, please do. He, he doesn't have enough people connecting with him on that. Yeah. L- uh, listeners who are curious, I I had a dog adopted from Turkey. So that's why that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I'm looking right now and I see Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is is coming out on next year's Leap Day. Was a big deal made about this when this was announced? I don't believe so, no. It's just I mean, kind of was what, what are you expecting to hear? People doing somersaults for this? Well, I mean, it's, it's February 29th. Every four years, the 29th exists. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, not really. Why does it again? I think it's a matter of um, the Earth technically doesn't rotate around the sun in 365 days. It rotates in 365.25 days. And adding a day every four years kind of evens that out. It, Mm -hmm. It sounds like bullshit, though, doesn't it? It does. It's it is weird that there is that kind of little correction. It's like, oh, we're just gonna throw it into February. We all kind of agreed on that. Well, it's the shortest month. I guess that makes sense. I guess that is the place to put it. I would have liked a thirty second in a month. That would have made it even more special. 
I don't know. I like the 29th. Yes. I mean, February is already my birthday month. So, you know, it's like, okay, just another thing to take away from my birthday in February. That's cool. Oh, so revolves around you. Yeah. Anything significant happening in February is a slight against you? We got we got Valentine's Day. We've got President's Day, which you know people just oh, get off that time. Which, like, like it's not about the hot the day itself, but it's like oh, people are off that day. It's like oh, cool, go do something on your day off. You know, that's that's whatever. And you don't people want people to have break. a day off. They can have a day off, you know. But like all these things happening in February, and the weather's already not great, so people already got their mind on like nasty roads, gray skies, and it's just like oh. It's, Everyone Mark. should be jumping for joy because it's the month you came into the world, right? True. But like Mark Persona believes... 3 remake comes out that month too, so like that's that's fine. Mark believes that game devs should crunch specifically in February so that uh, their month is worse than his. Uh, well, that's... I'm not... I abstain. I abstain from <laughs> You're abstaining. You're not even denying. I am abstaining. <laughs> um... One thing, I know I kind of covered it at the top that, uh, I mean, should be established. We are, in fact, recording before the Game Awards right now, but you'll see in the title, our Game Awards reactions are here. I actually think that's probably the the main reason someone would be here. So before we get into what we've been playing, I'm thinking, let's go see what our reactions were right now. Jumping right in, apologies, the audio uh, environment has changed. Hopefully it sounds good for everyone here. And we have Mark and Peter sharing a microphone. So we are trying to get you our Game Awards reactions in whatever way we can. Peter, you always come in the hottest off of a Jeff Keighley event. Let's just start with you. What, what do you want to start with here? We're going to break down the Game Awards 2023 into two different sections. First, as an E3-like marketing event. Then, as an awards show. Let's start off. I will start off anyway. I won't go too long because we're going to get our general thoughts and then we'll really dive deep. Dive deep. As a E3 gaming marketing reveal show, Fantastic fantastic reveals consistently good showings throughout the night a lot of unexpected games i was not anticipating at all there were things i thought i had quote-unquote leaked to me prior that i did not at all and they were clearly false flags and we will get to which game surprised me the most but as a marketing event i am a big fan big fan of tonight very happy with the games that were shown off as an awards show, this is the worst it has been in years. And we'll get into that. And this didn't have... What's annoying is that this didn't have to happen. He has the show down to a science. He can make it a fantastic show every year if he wants to. But I had... My major issues are the which, which awards were on the main stage and which were on the side and how long he allowed people to speak with their award i will stop there and let mark go mark what did you think of tonight um if we're breaking it down to those two categories like peter just did i definitely think on the reveal side that this was an amazing game awards honestly i could list a lot of games that i was actually pretty excited to see and things i'm super interested in um but the awards in a sense uh 
it feels like we were kind of presenting them in a similar way, but like really the categories that kind of were presented on the stage versus off stage, I feel like there was just really a mix match of things that don't really come off as the primary tier one categories you'd really want to see get the attention. There's a handful I'm sure we're going to talk way more about later, but uh, seeing like when one of the main criticisms is about how uh, building up to this best indie game, what is indie game? What is an indie or what isn't an indie game to get nominated for that category? Only for when the nomination or when the awards are here to try to celebrate these smaller developers, we're not going to have them come to the stage real quick. It's like, oh, well, why are we why are we not doing that? And in a show, we are worried is so triple A focused and marketing focused, really going out of our way to spend as little time for the few opportunities we have for those smaller developers to be on the stage is a weird choice it's a weird choice that it's definitely delivered to some extent because you i feel like you can't just not plan that but like that's that's just kind of where i'm at with that it is it is weird that they picked the awards uh to to spend the more time on versus the ones they did not spend that time on i definitely echo what you guys are saying but from a more general point of view i will say I mean, this was a great viewing experience overall. Despite Anthony Mackie's best intentions. And Simu Leos. Yeah. Um, but overall, I had a great time watching it, which I think that's two years in a row for the Game Awards. Maybe three? I can't quite remember three years I ago. remember James and Joe were here three years ago. We had a great time with that one, too. Um, so, I mean, my Jeff Keighley hate well noted but you know he's working his way up there i want to start getting more into we w- we want to go marketing event first right? marketing gaming event because this is where the more happy fun yeah. time conversations get to be had so let's have fun with this i think from a higher level here i mean this is one of the better e3 type events we've had in a long time oh, yeah. i think um i think i definitely agree what is let's start with mark on this actually what is one standout game you want to give a shout out to here um a game that was mildly on my radar before but just needed to see more of it is the refantasio game that we got to see from atlas we got to actually see a lot more pre-show on it that was pre-show even there's a there's a couple things from the pre-show that i'm going to talk about but that is definitely one of the coolest reveals that i'm going to have uh on my radar for the most just seeing more gameplay in it, where it is like this big action, open worldy RPG kind of thing. It's from the devs who did the Persona games three, four, and five. Um, their own cool new thing. So it is a new IP in a sense, but it's probably going to be familiar to an extent because we've played their games before. Like just UI wise, like you can definitely tell. Yep, this is definitely a studio, a game from these developers. Um, even just from the way that the camera just sits back behind, like uh the characters is like the, and the moving of the world the characters just navigating around where it just feels like i feel like it's already going to control so much like persona 5 but at the same time it seems like there's going to be a lot of cool new features to that but that's definitely one of the ones and i'm most excited for it's an action game it's not turn-based it is it looked like there could have been some stuff that looked turn-based but like definitely both were in there so uh or, or it seemed like both were in there so i one of the things I'm definitely more curious. I'll have to watch it again. I've, I'll have to watch that trailer again. We're we're coming off this fresh right off the Game Awards, so 
And that was pretty early on in the show. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff we saw. So don't remember 100%. But Peter, I want to know what your maybe favorite. It's probably my favorite reveal we saw today. Honestly, there were so many that really had me excited. I want I want to talk about two. One for the idea and presentation of it, and then one for just the game itself. And the one for the game itself that really, again, one we did not expect at all was the tales of Kenza... Ken, how was it? Kenzara or Kenzaru? One the, the, the EA original? Yes, the EA original. Tales of Kenzara. Tales of Kenzara. I love me some Metroidvanias. That looked like not only a great Metroidvania, but I really like the speech from the developer going into it. Seemed like this. Obviously, this was the first event that he had ever been to, and he had a very passionate, emotional speech. One that you rarely see whenever people are about to not only review a game but their first game. And the fact that a company as big as EA would consider this to be an EA original, which honestly, EA originals have had a pretty good track record so far. So whenever EA designates sees like a smaller indie game like that that they really want to invest in. So far, they've had a good eye for that kind of thing. It's just I really respect this, like the idea of this guy coming from like humble beginnings and just like really working his way up to not being able to reveal his EA published game at the Game Awards with the biggest mm-hmm. fucking audience. And I know this kind of comes with a Metroidvania, but I thought it looked like a really fun action game. Yes, that too. It just it looked like it was nailed, and the fucking art design, the enemy design looked really goddamn good. The com the combat looked great. So that is what I'm. Now, this year I did pick Last Case of Benedict Fox as for the league, and that was a Metrovania that looked really good at a show, and, you know, it did bite me. But I, unless someone gets it before me, I want to pick that. I want to yeah. pick this game for the BNY League because I stand by Metrovanias that look really good. I wouldn't expect this game to get, like, a 92 no, or something. No, me neither. But, I don't know. It looked pretty good. I, oh, yeah. I, I thought it looked very solid. And then can we talk about OD, please? Yes, my, yes we can. Yeah, we can talk about OD. Like my God, what again? We can't talk about man. The game looks great. It was a trippy, creepy revealed like announcement trailer. But I mean, it's also at the same time. It's just like okay, Kojima is doing horror again. He's really doing horror. Not only is he doing horror, he has Jor- Jordan Peele is also working on the game and co-writing or co. I, I, what exactly is his input? Like He's, is he? collaborate that's great better him collaborate just general collaborate than him not be there at all and again kojima being kojima he's like i didn't want to just make a new he's his exact words were i didn't want to make just a new game i didn't want to make a new movie i wanted to make a new entertainment medium i'm really hoping it's gonna be maybe not like one for one similar but like i'm hopeful that it has like immortality vibes if we're trying to go with that how cross of like FMV and game, are we gonna get with this? Because I mean, we only have two clips to go off of. It could be completely different. That like when we the first trailer we got for Death Stranding, we had no idea what we were gonna be getting with that game, and it could be absolutely the exact same thing here. But I don't know. I don't think it's impossible. I think Kojima's at a point right now where if he's just getting money from Sony and Microsoft to really just do whatever he wants, but it's gonna be on someone's platform just so they can say we have this really cool exclusive kojima game that's not like anything he's doing on the other platform even uh i think anything's possible and i think it'd be really cool if it's a lot like immortality i would never want immortality to become 
a trend. But if Kojima wants to like take a swing at it, go for it. Like I, I am down for that. Um, I thought the trailer was super creepy. Um, shout out Hunter Schaefer. She's in Euphoria. I think she's great in that show. Um, and I'm really interested to see some of the other actors that he has in this because I mean, he just always has people coming to his studio. Mm-hmm. So I assume they're not all there for Death Stranding. Um, I also just loved the theatrics of having that creepy door on stage. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we was, when Kojima was the one to walk through, it's like, oh, yes, of course, Kojima. We should have known that they wouldn't have that door unless there is someone else to reveal. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I mean, me and Peter were talking before the show because uh, we listened to the kind of funny predictions, and Greg Miller literally guessed the Jordan Peele collab, and we were talking about how, like, yeah, that would be fucking awesome if there was a Jordan Peele collab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here it is. I mean, who knows what he's doing? I assume he must be helping with the, like, film direction of it because – at least translated kojima ultimately said like yes it is a game it's not only a movie but it's a new medium like Mm -hmm. that's a pretty vague i I mean like you think about it we're all we everyone has been so sad that we're not going to get pt and that was that alone is like an amazing horror experience so like i trust kojima trying to do something in the realm of horror and we're going to get some jordan peele flair on there and it's. I think it's going to be an amazing combo. I mean, we can assume, and we're pretty sure it's a horror game, right? Like, no question. Like, um, I think the, we could, we could be wrong, but I feel confident saying it's ninety nine percent going to be a horror game. I only want to rewatch the trailer for the sake of. I want to remember what they're saying. They're saying like a really weird thing. It's like they're rehearsing a line, is what it seems. That's what I interpreted it as. It was, or it was they were talking about seeing a purple dinosaur or a purple dragon over and over. I just remember they were repeating that phrase or being told to repeat that phrase. They definitely started with it like they were more calm about it, and then they're losing their cool, and then they're just screaming by the end of it. So whether it is. They're trying to get in character or something, or they're maybe in some sort of torture room. There, there was a screen at the very end that had a bunch of keywords that seemed like the emotions they're trying to elicit from mm-hmm. this experience. Screaming was one of them, so uh, I'd have to double check what that is again. Again, we're coming fresh off of the game awards as of recording this, but um, there's there's a lot of questions. It's probably I, I couldn't tell you if there's a lot to dive in from that trailer or if there's gonna be nothing right now because it really could just be anything yeah uh huge get for xbox oh huge obviously. oh my god hey well let's talk about another do we want to talk more about od or do we want to move on to something else um if you if you have more to say on od go for it i just want to say overall props to xbox props to xbox for tonight they own the night hi-fi rush won a couple awards which is good but then obviously you have a fantastic hellblade 2 trailer OD, which I do think will be the talk of the show and will be the talk of the industry for the next week. And then, because I don't... Ha- Does anyone have anything else to say about OD? Because I, I do want to move on to the next thing I really want to talk about. I don't about. have anything on OD. But fucking Arcane is here. People were... I was. I said to, I said to you two before the show of, hey, there were specific developers and directors of games at a studio seen in a lo- nearby hotel. It was Arcane. 
And the leak was, oh, they're going to announce Dishonored 3. They're going to announce Dishonored 3. Dishonored 3 has already been leaked. So that's what I was expecting. And throughout the trailer, I'm like, well, this is a weird way to... This doesn't look like Dishonored at all. And I did not realize that it was Blade until they just flat out fucking said Blade because I never thought this was even a possibility. Now, I stepped away when the Blade 3 thing was happening. So what was the trailer exactly? Was it just a quick screen of red and then Blade walks up and it says Blade? No, no. It was like um, it was like a barbershop situation. Oh. And... uh the barber was like shaving a guy's face and I think the guy getting his face shaved was played. Yes. Okay. Um, and then it did like quick cuts and stuff. The art for it looked really cool. And it was all cinematic. Um, yes. Yes. Like it it was stylized. It was stylized. So it wasn't like your typical CGI trailer Mm -hmm. used to, but, um, then it showed him against a red background with the sword and then just cut to blade. You should watch the trailer. I thought okay. it was quite good. I'll definitely watch it just because I want to know what's going on. Uh, I think it's very interesting to see Marvel once again trusting a very talented studio with another one of their IP. They're really getting it right here. And this is Arcane Leon, so this is not the Redfall people. Yes. Um, I just love Marvel's approach to this. Like, they're not trying to do a whole, like, all, all of our video games are connected shit. It's like, we're going to give Spider-Man to these guys. We're going to give Guardians of the Galaxy to them. And they're like, we're going to give Blade to this team. Like, they're constantly splitting up. And they're not doing the same publisher like Disney did with Star Wars and EA. They're going all throughout the industry. Be like, we have one of the most popular, even though the MCU's you know, popularity is in the shit, but the Marvel brand is still one of the most popular brands on planet Earth, and they have all of these IP that will make fuck tons of money, and they're just going around, who wants to work on one, but we have to make sure you're good. Just, and again, I, it's an, I, I did see this on Twitter, and I do want to ask you too, I see a lot of Xbox fans complaining of like, both with Blade and overdose like why did they not mention that these were xbox exclusives why would they not do that why oh my god xbox fucking up again your um, guys thoughts I on mean, that like not all of these playstation trailers said playstation exclusive on it. It, it had playstation branding i would argue that's the same thing though there was Xbox branding on both of these. But then but apparently it wasn't good enough for the Xbox people. That's Actually, all I'm you know you. what? I, I would need to rewatch the Arcane segment because I'm not positive I saw the Xbox branding. I definitely saw it for OD. I was going to say, it was definitely there for OD. I do not remember seeing it for Blade. Um, I think I, they, they would have they, they make it very clear with OD because it's Kojima Productions. It's not a studio that is owned by xbox necessarily so they really want to hammer on true that. but like like the sony santa monica have to be like guys it's a playstation exclusive like i do understand that mindset i i do too but it would be weird i assume we just missed the branding it would be weird if it wasn't there at all though mm-hmm. because it's like it's your studio like show your logo mm-hmm. um but i don't know i think it's exciting i'm on the record of being, I mean, more than tired of Marvel at this point. Um, but their gaming approach is kind of what I wish they were just doing now, where it's like, I don't hate this stuff. In fact, I used to really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing these separated one-off projects from talented developers, I, I just think that's exciting. 
I think what works here for games with Marvel, where it doesn't work so much anymore with film, is with the film, like there's a formula to a script that we're kind of getting over and over. Mm-hmm. With a game, they are finding the studios that are very different from each other, very talented, specific, specifically uh, sought after for making what they think would be a very unique uh, version of a game for a specific property. And they're just going to be very different. And when a new, it's a new IP at the beginning, at the end of the day, too. So, like, that's very interesting as well. So, it'll be unique to play. So, getting a Spider Man game to uh, what it was, the Guardians of the Galaxy games to Blade and Marvel's Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns as well. Um, all of this is just like, oh, they announced all these things. You could say that's a lot of Marvel. All those games are drastically different than one another. They play so, so very differently. So I think there's something more exciting about that. Even when you get something new that's Marvel. Like, if they were to show up, I don't know who the developer would be, but, like, Hulk game. Like, if they found the right studio for that, I think that could even be, like, oh, that that sounds super cool. There's a PSG Hulk game I liked quite a bit. And also, you don't have to play. If you only want to play, like, EA is also doing a Black Panther game. Like, with a brand oh, new studio. Right. I completely which, forgot Honestly, uh, like, a single-player narrative third-person action Black Panther game. That's pretty fucking exciting to me. That's a world that's, again, has only had two movies. Like, there isn't this massive lineage with this franchise, at least in the popular, like, you know, the general populace. So the idea of a Black Panther single-player game sounds very appealing to me. But also, what's going to help them succeed where the MCU has now hit a wall where it's, if you don't want to play Midnight Suns or Spider-Man or Guardians and you just want to play Blade, you just have to play Blade. You don't know what the, the fuck is going on in Wolverine or like, oh, what happened to Spider-Man 2? It's just, here's an individual project jump right in and if you don't want to play the other marvel games you're you don't fucking have to you just don't have to and getting the more unique property of blade is also exciting yep. um i think we should take this logically and just jump into what playstation had which big reveal the ragnarok dlc roguelike dlc coming out next week mm-hmm. that's that's big super interesting there was final fantasy 16 dlc there was rise of the ronin mm-hmm and we did see a Helldivers kind of trailer, I yeah. guess. I don't think we learned anything new from it. I think it's just reminding us, hey, this game's coming up. Please don't yeah. forget about it. Uh, Mark, what did, what did you think of PlayStation showing overall? God of War making an appearance. Even though, arguably famously on our podcast, we are a, a leaning towards an anti-God of War podcast, Ragnarok. That's that's just what we are. We just aren't the biggest fans here at BNY Gaming of God of War Ragnarok, unfortunately. Not that we dislike the game, uh, but that's just kind of what we're known Peter for. Peter not having a mic in his hand right now to like, not <laughs> be able to speak on this is very good. Yeah, sorry, Peter. I have a lot to say. Um, but but I am excited, honestly, to kind of go back in and try it. So what did you think? God of War, Ragnarok, Valhalla. What do we think of the double subtitle here? <laughs> all of like the two biggest uh norse mythology just words we're just going to throw them in the title here for this thing i think it's whatever i i don't don't really care too much because i know it's already a good game already so they can call it whatever the hell they want honestly i don't think i'm sure maybe a cooler name would be better for this thing but it's not going to change how i feel about it because you just got to say like oh it's it's a, a roguelike for what God of War Ragnarok is sure I give that a try it's free also like mm. if I had to pay for it I probably would not be trying this out but it's going to be free so I don't see I, why I, I might even try it the 
the main barrier is just re-downloading God of War. I, mean, uh, yeah. I removed that a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Ever since I downloaded Baldur's Gate 3 on my PlayStation, I have been very skeptical of what I am and am not able to download on mm. my PlayStation right now. And that actually could change everything. Yeah. Uh, let's get Peter's thought on this. Um, might surprise you. It's a roguelite, so I don't want to play it. That's that's my thoughts. I really am not. I mean, I will try it because it's an epilogue to Ragnarok. And again, Ragnarok, one of the best PlayStation games ever made, one of my favorite games of all time, doesn't have enough love on this fucking podcast. But I see it. It's like, oh, it's a new roguelite experience. It's like, fuck me. I do not like, I hated Returnal. I hated Returnal. I played it for an hour and a half. It's like, I just feel like roguelites disrespect my time. Mm -hmm. That's what I think about the genre. I think they disrespect your time. Oh, you're gonna die, you're start over, lose everything. It's like, well, that's, I I don't have a lot of time to do that anymore. That doesn't sound appealing to me. You're jumping at the bit, so go for it. I'm just saying, like, we don't know how long of a loop of a roguelike this God of War DLC is gonna be. I don't want any. But, like, it could be way more manageable than you think. Returnal is probably, like, the worst roguelike for you to try to start with. Because a run in Returnal is several hours. And that is just... A lot of roguelikes don't work with that amount of time. And, like, that was kind of a criticism it was getting at the time. It's like, hey, you, saving it's kind of, saving the game and not being able to start in the middle of a run, kind of a big deal for something that long. The other thing with Returnal structure is the... It's maybe the the most hardcore type of roguelike you could have played. Whereas I would assume this God of War DLC will be more of a light version of the Hades style, which is you're going to exit this loop and you're going to have a bunch of materials that it's going to allow you to upgrade shit or something. But the intent is that no matter what, hey, th- th- stop, stop giving me, stop putting your hand on your this face. This sounds terrible. No, uh, but the way to make roguelikes more approachable is when you have that sort of system, it guarantees that when you lose, you are exiting stronger. Whereas in Returnal, you're not necessarily exiting stronger. If you go back in and do the exact same thing, you're going to die the exact same way. Here's, here's an idea. I have an axe and two blades and a spear and I stay the same, and I beat up enemies, and then I progress through the game, and then I win, and I finish the game. Well, we tried that already. And it, and it was one game. of the best games PlayStation ever made. It's like, hey, let's just do that again, please. Now, Peter, I I want to ask you. When you were playing God of War Ragnarok, your weapons of choice, what, what did you have like a weapon, or were you truly swapping between the three of them? I swapped. Like, which, which were you using the most, though? Probably, like... 75% Leviathan Axe, 15% Drop Near, and then 5% the, uh, the uh, Blades of Chaos. That's insane, because I was definitely using the Blades the most. But, like, what I imagine this roguelike's going to be is, like, you're going to be playing... Maybe, I don't know if they're going to start you off if you're doing a run, where you just start with, like, the default abilities in the game, and as you progress, you get some of the abilities you would get upgraded throughout the game. And then one run, it's just like, well, this is looking like a spear run right now. I'm getting a lot of spear stuff. Can I make a spear build work? Oh, it's just going to be axe stuff. Am I only going to be doing that? Which I was going to be like, that that part might not be free. But when you do get that axe build, when you're going through, oh, you get the build you're looking for. Oh, my God, it works out so well. Peter just had finger guns I need. I, I need, <laughs> here's my least favorite word in gaming, builds. I don't want builds. 
I don't like variety. I don't like choices. Give me a single thing at the start of the game, and I will upgrade the single thing throughout the rest of the game, and I will beat the game with the single thing. Give me a line to go down. I will go down that line for 15 to 20 to 25 hours, 20 times a bit pushing it, and then I will be satisfied, because that's all I want. I don't want this ability to have your own unique version of this playthrough. I want to be able to go to people and share the exact same experience and compare our thoughts on the exact same thing we experienced. So... I want you to know, Peter, when you 70% use the axe in the game, you had an axe build. How do you feel about that? I upgraded all of them. But you you feel like you just got every ability? Yes. You're silly. Why would you do that? Because I'd already maxed out the Leviathan axe and I was still getting experience points. It's like, all right, I'll do the others in case I need them. I just never, I just didn't unlock a lot of the abilities. I don't know how that happened. How I, I put in more time in the game, but I still didn't unlock every yeah, no, ability. Uh, Peter did not unlock all of the abilities. That simply didn't I didn't unlock every single one, but I was consistently upgrading all of them. So you didn't upgrade all your abilities when you just you just said you were. I uh, what the point I was trying to get across is that I did not just focus on one thing. I was consistently upgrading all three of them. So when you were using the axe a lot, you weren't upgrading the axe. Is what you're telling me. I don't understand how you're confused. I was upgrading all three of the weapons. I don't know, but on the record, like you saying, I only use the axe, and then you proceeded to upgrade the weapon you did not use. I just, well, I just said I used like seventy percent, fifteen or twenty of the fuck I said. You're gonna tell me you're gonna equally yes. invest in the weapon yes. in case I need it. In case I need it, yes. The five percent of the time you need the spear. Well, the five percent was chaos. Apologies, apologies. But sincerely, yes, because that's how that's how my mind games work in games. Okay, well, it's going to be free, Peter. Do you still have it downloaded on your PlayStation right now? Yes, I like to go. On, I like to click on it in the main menu and just listen to the music again and be like, "Oh, what a great game this was." So I feel like you have a good reason to go back for. It. I think. I think give a give a couple of run or two a try and talk about it. I never said I was never going to try it. I just said I'm not excited, or nor do I want to do it. I'm curious if this will find its way in any of our top tens for the year, if that's even possible. I mean, it might I can't it might wait until you two fucking love it, and I hate it, and then we can have this. We, you two can gush about God of War Ragnarok. I, I, I could be your going, it no, sucks, it's I mean, terrible. I didn't, I suppose I could like the gameplay more if I see it in a new light, but like I was not the biggest fan of the gameplay. Um, so we'll see. But I think we should move on to maybe my favorite reveal, Big Walk. Big fucking walk. First of all, best title yep. of the whole show by a mile. Um, I thought this game looked wonderful, and I have no idea what you're doing in it, and <laughs> that's okay. I, I'm very excited for it, too. I, I'm so happy that the Goose Game Studio got so much money that they can just do this really super weird thing. Like, like even then, like... I feel like they're still going off on a limb to go make what was the Goose game in, in game development. That still sounds pretty risky to think. Like, what do you do? Oh, you just kind of push things around as a goose. Please buy our game. Uh, did they say who the publisher was to that game at all? I mean, I'm sure they said it. I didn't take note of I, it, though. I didn't either. I don't even remember if Goose Game was published by Annapurna or not. I think it might have been, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but... I'm super curious. I don't think they gave us a year for that. 2024, 2025? 2025, I believe. They did say 2025. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see more. That's the kind of game where um, 
I'm pretty sold on it right now, mm-hmm. but bad reviews could sway me away from it because yeah, yeah, no, I I agree because it is so unique in that way of like if mm-hmm. it sucks i mean i guess it's just not that good but. i feel like it's the kind of game that would get negatively reviewed because it's like this is a really interesting and funny thing for like the first 30 minutes but then you've seen it all at that point and there's like six more hours or whatever I don't know. there was a decent amount of variety they were showing i thought anyway. there was i think i think that is uh what it's i i like to believe it's going to be very cool very impressive in these weird ways but I feel like that's where a lot of indie games kind of these indie games that have a very interesting concept that I, I usually can be interested in. That's where they kind of wane, where they just are interesting so so briefly, and then it just becomes a slog to get through it because the the thing the cool thing you were doing just isn't cool anymore. Mm-hmm. In this case, it is just being in this weird world with these weird bird people. I'm I I was saying before when the reveal happened. This could this could have a banger soundtrack. Oh, uh, and, and a, the, it's some weird sounds to it, but I'm listening to. I'm just like this. This could slap if I hear no, the rest it, of this it song. Sounds, it sounds wonderful so far, but I think it's time for Peter to get in the mic because we should talk about for a minute. No rest for the wicked. Moon Studios is back. The second, because the way the way Keeley made that sound, he again because he starts before he the game is shown. He's like, I love showing brand new de- like brand new teams, brand new developers who've never been seen before and then sometimes i like showing sequels and sometimes i like showing games like this and hinting that okay this is from a team or you know, or it's either a sequel or from a team we've seen before and the second i see moon studios i'm on, literally on the edge of my seat i shut the fuck up i let out a gasp and i'm like holy shit i can't believe they're here and no rest for the wicked not into it not into it no not into yeah. it at all not into it all and that lets me down because I, I am going to rewatch it. I am going to rewatch the footage. I am going to look into it. But that does not look like at all a Peter game. I wasn't as impressed as I would have expected to be from a new game from them. But I want to see more. I'm not I'm not letting this one trailer. Oh, me neither. Like, to be fair. Me neither. This is absolutely a no-go. But I don't, I don't blame you for thinking like, oh, they did Ori and now they're doing this i'm curious peter because this game is going to be like gauntlet minecraft dungeons a top-down dungeon like a diablo kind of thing i don't think i know a game of that genre that you've really gotten into or even or even tried there's maybe something but that is something that you could have going for you you just haven't found the time to really poke at this kind of game because they can be really simple games it's not like it's a very complicated it's not it doesn't necessarily be a build game, you know, like you can just find a move you really like, work with it, and it can just go. So it's not completely off the table. But that's not what I. That's not what I want on a movie. Peter likes Metroidvanias. Yeah, like I, I come if I go to the milk store and they're like, "We are selling great cheese," and I'm like, "No, you had one thing. I came to you for this thing. I don't need you to branch. Not only do I not want to not." Do I not want you to branch out? If you're not giving me the original product I came to you for, then I'm sorry. I'm not interested. Peter is a fan of milk. That does not mean he's a fan of all dairy products. But it's almost just like you trust this developer. To make a Metroidvania. But they were confident to try this new thing. And it's like, oh, I like them. And they're doing something 
I don't have this affiliation for it. Like, I don't have a negative. Nor do I have a desire for it. But maybe if you tried it, you'd realize it's like Squidward when he's going to have his first Krabby Patty, Peter. You know, that could be you. But Squidward secretly has the desire to have the Krabby Patty, and that's the entire fucking joke of the episode where I don't have a desire to play this game at all. I'm not hiding it. Yeah, but that's after he takes a bite. That's not... That's not... Oh, and help me out here. That's not... I would need to rewatch the episode to understand the intent. But, yeah, no, I'm not interested in this game. Again, I'm I'm, I'm not like, I'm never going to play it. Eh, but as of now, it's like, oh, Moon Studio, oh my God, it's been years. And it's like, oh, this is it? They're like, okay, well, I hope someone... Uh, this is for someone else, but as of now, it's not for me. Okay, yeah. I'll, um, I'll do some rapid-fire stuff here so that we can keep it moving. Uh, Visions of Mana looks solid. Could be Looks cool. pretty good. I yeah, got Dragon Quest cool. vibes from it, so I'm not interested. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I probably won't play it, but I like. I thought it was a solid reveal. Um, Rise of Ronin then came. We didn't really say anything on it. We all agreed that we'd we'd probably rather play different samurai games. But um, can I give a shout out to two games real quick? Sure. Uh, Pony Island Two was the, one of the first games they talked about. I never played the first Pony Island. I own it, but it's uh, it's very inscription inspired. And that sounds very, very cool. And for all I know, Inscription could be very Pony Island inspired also. But it seems like there's games and games and games on here. And it's all Mm going to be woven together to some bigger story, which is kind of what Inscription was also. So that's going to be very cool. Could be very cool. Other game I want to give a shout out to, Don't Nod talked about Lost Records, which looks like Don't Nod kind of going back to their uh, Life is Strange roots. For, for a hot second i'm very curious to see what that's going to be very more curious to hear with the soundtrack to that game but those are two i want to give a shout out to because i don't think you guys would want to talk about them i want to give a shout out to black myth wukong which looked fucking awesome mm-hmm. always just looks good um, with the release date now it's coming next year that's very cool I yeah they said no. may is what it was if i remember correctly i don't have that in front of me but it is next year and i mean I I think I'm probably going to play it. I mean, it just looks really good. Yeah. I think that's another one where if nothing else is going on and the reviews are there, like I'm not saying it has to be 9s out of 10s, um, but see some reviews, see how long it is to beat, and I could be there in the first week. Peter, is there any game you'd want to shout out that you don't think we would shout out? I'm terrified of forgetting anything. I mean, again, I think we said it. Hellblade 2 looked fucking great. We... We have forgotten one game, and I think it might be the last game that we should touch on um, as a group here, which is Light No Fire, the No Man's Sky. I mean, Sean Murray put out a good tweet where he was sent notes from his coworkers of like, Sean, just go on stage and say, we're working on a new game, and here are some clips. And then there's just like, we created Earth, like they're yelling at him, and he just tweets, fuck <laughs> like he can't help himself he can't help himself but i respect that and then he said like we've been working again we like yeah we, we've been working on this for the last five years we're really excited to finally show it to you i really hope this game does well i hope they succeed i really hope it does too i thought it looked beautiful okay. um it definitely i mean this looked more like a game than no man's sky ever did mm. pre-release i mean no man's sky in a pre-release just was like you looking at just like vistas with just the the only thing to tell us to describe the gameplay was the promises and words of Sean Murray. Yeah. And that game got so much press that I to an extent I can't help but sympathize with them because like it's one thing they were a small indie studio 
they're not going to be the greatest public speakers. They're super excited to talk about their thing. Sean Murray was getting invites to be on late night shows, like talk about this game. Like that's just how big this thing was. It was reaching to the level. And there's some level of excitement. You're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And it seems like, like from that tweet, even Peter's talking about, very eager to talk about some of the stuff. They showed multiplayer this time around. You know, it's going to have multiplayer mm-hmm. launch, doesn't it? To tell us that you can find your friends somewhere in the galaxy or somewhere on this big planet Earth. They're just right there. You can totally find them. Um, but I think, honestly, this is my number two game from the show that I'm super excited. To I'm play. I really want to play it. I you said this when we saw the reveal, Mark. I pretty much just hope it's their take on Valheim. Yeah, me like, too. <laughs> I think that would be really cool if it was. And I really don't have that many doubts about it because at this point they're they are a veteran proven studio. Mm-hmm. Um they had their fuck up already. I don't think they're gonna do it again. I don't think so. They've they clearly know how to build and support an open world game at this point. They've just been doing that. So I think they've given us the reason to prove that even if it's not what people want at launch, they're going to just stick to this game and make it into something super, super cool. So there's there's a vote of confidence in that at the very least. I want to shout out Solid Name. I really liked the logo continuity with No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll mention is a, a small rant, which is, um, a, what was it called, Last Sentinel? The guy, the guy who allegedly created Grand Theft Auto, Bully, and Red yeah, Dead. Yeah, the futuristic uh, robot breaking into le- thing. I want to know his credentials. It's like, who is this guy? Because mm-hmm. I know he's not a Hauser, so he's not the creator. Was he just a worker on these games? Like, was he just a dev? If I had to guess, he's a producer or executive producer. Talking out of my ass here, I have no idea. I imagine he's someone in a higher level of management, but like. You, you you were saying before, it's just like, you guys were from Rockstar, and you're not making something that looks like Rockstar. Like, this is just totally something out of their wheelhouse. The the trailer was all CGI. I saw people tweeting it that it looks awesome. It's like, there wasn't a game. I don't know what that game is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this has to be the case. But what I was saying to you guys while watching it is, is it's like, you know, Bully and what GTA used to be, like, those aren't made anymore. So you drop those credentials. I want you to make a game like that now. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's just like, I don't know, it's just like sci-fi people were held hostage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad of, name, too. I don't like Last Sentinel. It's the kind of thing, yeah, definitely a bad, like, there's like a, a level of, like, generic AAA game looking kind of thing that I think a lot of games kind of fit in. This is definitely one of those can we have a shout uh, on the topic of generic looking games that don't really leave an impression shout out to exodus with matthew mcconaughey which yes. owen forgot about as he should have yes i completely forgot about that i i actually thought mcconaughey's like intro to it was like solid mm-hmm. overall i really thought he was going to show us something i would remember but he did not do anything like that yeah no i it was not pretty. It was not a pretty game by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they actually went and showed the gameplay of it, just very generic. Gave Jeff Keighley Mass Effect vibes, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could see, like, some Mass Effect gameplay vibes, but if you're going to talk about Mass Effect vibes, like, the gameplay's like the dressing. The, the, the Mass Effect vibes are, like, if you saw, like, G4 TV playing, like, mass effect 2 for 10 seconds like those Mm -hmm. are the mass effect vibes that Mm -hmm. it gave 
Um, I, if I could say anything about that game is that I feel like if that game does come out next year, whenever it does, there's the one game we were talking about was $8 we saw on sale. Some Avium is what it was. Oh, Immortals of Avium. Immortals of Avium. It'll be the Immortals of Avium of the year. Although, you know, out. Immortals of Avium was the the most recent EA original. Oh, so really? if we want to be scared for the the Metroidvania game, we can be scared for that reason. Except for the fact that I bet Immortals of Avium, like I, I doubt it's perfect or anything. I always thought it like looked kind of fun. I think that depending on how long it is, would be a cool Game Pass game if if it's not. And I there. I think it will be coming to Game Pass because it's yeah yeah because I know I don't know how much of their stuff goes over, but like there is some sort of eventually deal if you have Game Pass Ultimate that includes EA Play, oh. eventually you get it all. Okay, that's very um, cool. Though. So you know if it is a Game Pass game, I'll I'll keep an eye out for it because I think it looks solid. Okay, but um, let's get to the back burner. Backburner of our podcast, backburner of the show, the awards. The awards. Can I go? Yes, you can go. To the three people who had this as the number one podcast on their Spotify wrapped. I'm sure you know this very well, but every year around this time, I get out my shield and I defend my friend, my colleague in this games industry we find ourselves in, Jeffrey Keeley. I always say he puts on a great show. He cares about the. He cares not. He not only does Jeff Keeley care about games, he cares about those who make them. Is what I always say on this podcast every year. I can't say that this year because Jeff Keeley did not give a fuck about the developers. He does not care. He is so. This year. The admissions to which awards were on the side, best art direction, best independent game, best score. I'm seeing some people say best RPG also should not have been on the side. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't think it should even be a category, but you're fine. You all say what you want to say. I, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to die in a hell. Fine. It should have been on the main stage too. Whatever. The fact that so many key categories were put on the side for shit like best adaptation, which we all knew would, we knew it was going to win the award in January. In as soon as you see the first episode of The Last of Us, you're like, "Oh, well, this will win. Let's <laughs> come close to this." The fact that we knew the answer eleven months ago, and we're like, "We're get, not only is this going to be on, but we're also going to put a really weirdly placed Fallout advertisement before it because." And it's why I said this to Mark when Owen went to the bathroom. It's why Kojima and Keeley are such best friends. They both want the games industry to be Hollywood. They both idolize Hollywood so much that they want to feel some sort of odd vindication of their of their preferred art form from Hollywood, even though games has... I'm not saying from a narrative perspective, oh, you calm down over there. I'm just saying video games are more popular and they're more profitable than any other form of entertainment. Why are we looking to these other corners for validation, when we've surpassed them already. Like, oh my god, guys, Simu Liu was here. And I like Simu Liu, but who fucking cares that he's here? Like, we should... I hate... And people have always given Keeley shit for this for years. I, I didn't defend him, but I looked the other way. But in a... Look, we all, I, Owen and I got into like arguments a couple weeks ago talking about, oh, what if Keeley talked about like pro unionization? And even then, again, I never thought he was actually going to do it, but I thought like, hey, it's an interesting thing to talk about. He said nothing. 
And it's one thing, okay, he doesn't talk about the like the six thousand people who were laid off, fine, but the just and and also the fact that the people who for their speeches were rushed. And I don't know if either of you two saw it. There was a big teleprompter that said, "Please wrap it up." Oh my god! I definitely was seeing uh, screenshots on Twitter of people sharing uh, sharing it around, so people understood. They are making it very clear to the people on stage they need them to go right now. And I think that as far as the issues go with the show, the shortening of the speeches was the least of my issues. These speeches did not need to be too long. Anyone that ever thinks that they need to be too long is a problem. Well, I feel like there's a lot of people who are riding on that high of Christopher Judge last year because... They Christopher, I think we have to acknowledge Christopher Judge has now made this a problem going forward. Because now people like people should be allowed to speak as much as they want. Everyone's gonna point to Christopher Judge. It's like when that one kid in your class misbehaves, so everyone misses recess. Yeah. And you know, this is fairly standard for award shows with exception, and I don't think there's an equivalent that we could draw when it comes to games. But when it comes to the Oscars, best actor and best actress get long speeches. They're the only ones. They can pretty much speak seemingly as long as they want. Um, But just about everyone else gets played off pretty soon. I would say in the games industry, the only two, uh, in the game awards, the only two that seemingly are allowed that I've seen consistently throughout the years are game of the year and best direction. Those are two I've never heard anyone get played off for. Everyone else is like, go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of in general think, like, when I talk about how I want things to feel like they're being celebrated more, take it a little away from the reveals, I'm not saying I need to hear this nervous person thank people for an extra 45 seconds to a minute and a half like I I don't need that extra time what I was saying is um I've always liked how the Oscars do like montages and stuff and like really celebrate the year in that way and a missed opportunity is the fact that art direction was done on the side like it was fucking nothing like literally you could make a case that art direction is like the foundation of gaming. I would argue it's a top three, top four category. Yeah. And it was, we treated it like best content creator. Like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Even then content creator, they had a clip. They brought on the content creator to talk about the awards. Arguably content creator got more attention than yeah. that did. Not what, arguably, it just did. What won for best art direction? I don't even remember. How would we remember? It was very, very quick. Was um, it Alan Wake 2? It was Alan Wake 2. That's right. That's right. Because I wanted it to be Mario Wonder, but Alan Wake 2 got it. That's right. Uh, I, I had thought, like, oh, going into this, the ones that are going to get the sideline, because going into it, I think we thought, a lot of people thought it was going to be a Baldur's Gate sweep, right? And I'm thinking, if that's the case, and they know that in advance, a lot of the categories where we know Baldur's Gate's going to win, you can put those on the side and have the bigger awards where they come up for the speeches. Um, and uh, one of the awards I think people talked a lot about here is Best Soundtrack uh, not being up there. And that's the only award Final Fantasy sixteen won. And I, I may not have been the biggest fan of Final Fantasy sixteen, but I feel like that's the time where you maybe bring them up. Not just because sound is like one of the, like the most important things. Like 
in a game like that that can be such a crucial part of it um but like that's that one team's one chance to shine and i think that's kind of important to give them the chance to talk it's one thing if we don't have the time even to like get everyone on stage to talk but balance it out with the different teams i how many times did Baldur's Gate even end up going up for the award? I know they got best, Twice. they got game of the year, and then they, I not Asterian the one. It, that's a bit different though, because that's. The, but like, I th- I still think it counts. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest miss is that best independent game didn't get to go up there. For it's sure. like, what the fuck is that? Where was best debut indie? I think it was it was on the side. I I I I I don't even remember it. I don't remember that. It, they did go up because the cocoon guys did show up very cocoon very, guys very went up there they they did go up there i thought briefly and just walked right off okay i'm pretty sure game for impact also got to go up there yes and well it wasn't the developers though it was shuhei yoshida who went up on stage yeah, for so them, shuhei for chia which is kind of unfortunate uh i don't maybe it was just too complicated for the devs to get there i don't know i imagine it's the kind of thing where if you're nominated the game awards would pay for you guys to show up Best on going was on stage? What yes. the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? You have art direction and soundtrack on the side. Best on... I you give it to Cyberpunk? No one's happy with this. No one is happy with this outcome. What the fuck are you doing, Jeff? I what are you doing? It, I find it hilarious that a lot of my gaming podcasts I listen to vote for these awards. And almost all of them talked about how uh, how fucking ridiculous cyberpunk best ongoing. Like that doesn't make any sense. And then it wins, and it's like, did you guys do this? Like, <laughs> I I don't think we really talked about that in our game award nominee episode. How do we even feel about cyberpunk being nominated here? Honestly, I didn't fucking care. I didn't care either because I thought I'd be like, oh, nice acknowledgement. You know, it's going to be a nice little tap of the leg. Like, you guys did good this year. I didn't think they were going to win. I thought the second I saw them get nominated, I was just like, oh, this is because this is their swan song story. And it's crazy to think that this is all on the back of the anime, really. If not for Edge Runners, like, I don't think Cyberpunk would have had the buzz to be here. Because, like, one of the big problems we've talked year after year is that the Game Awards has a popularity issue. And that anime really put eyes on the game. Sure, the game got better. A lot of people are saying it is. I'm playing it, and I think it's uh, fun. But I don't think without that anime, and that's hard. I don't know if you can say that's a fair criticism to say, like, this only wins an award because of the anime. But it's certainly a part of this conversation. I know I feel with this nominee, um, it's weird. At first, I was like, I, I liked it, but ongoing game, like, sure, you could make the argument that's like, oh, it's receiving updates still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ongoing game is really a game where it's like, this is a game with designed that it is going to stay alive as long as possible. It is a game that the plug will be pulled only when they have no money to keep the plug yeah, in and they move on. That's not the case. Cyberpunk, even before this DLC came out, it was going to have a finite end. It is not ongoing. Yes, and you know, as much as I think that Fortnite is the death of culture, I saw fucking Lego Fortnite tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. understand how that wouldn't win. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is a situation where I feel like maybe Fortnite 
Fortnite could do it. They had Peter Griffin is in Fortnite now. That was something people really wanted to. <laughs> when he's there, he, he looks very odd. He does look very game. strange, but but I'm happy he's finally there. All right, last thoughts on the game awards. I Mark and I were having a very heated debate a few weeks ago about like PI and I was telling him like people care about the awards. It's still an award show. Maybe maybe Jeff fixes it in 2024, but for Tonight and throughout 2024, until we get to the awards themselves, the Game Awards are not about the awards. It is a marketing event. And it's a great, it was a fucking great marketing event, but it was a slap in the face to developers, to the industry, and I think Jeff did the industry very, I think he fucked them tonight. I think he did them very wrong. You will not hear me defend the Game Awards as an awards show throughout next year because Jeff Keighley has lost my trust, and quite frankly, I don't think he, I'm not, not like me individually. He's not going to bed. He's not putting his head on his pillow tonight going, did Peter Gorski like the awards show tonight? <laughs> of course he's not thinking that. You've been a big enough supporter that maybe he was. If we ever take off, I do want to know, like, Jeff, I'm not Maddie, I'm disappointed. Like, hey, I've, I, we have the, re- we have the footage, we have the records to show that I've been one of his biggest defenders for several years now. But, I mean, he, if, if he cares about it being an award show tonight, he shows that he was inept. But I don't think Jeff Keeley's inept because I just don't think he cares. I think my biggest takeaway is to ask you guys a question about something. Can, just comparing and contrasting what is Game Awards right now this year to what is Summer Games Fest, do we see in a future, does Game Awards become the new E3 at this point? I, I feel like to uh, to an extent, no, because that that timeline of getting people ready for the fall when games are launching is a thing, but tonight was a really cool show and a lot of people are always on board for this because... The expectations are set. You don't have to have a whole showcase put together. You just got to have a couple things and everyone's there and people are hyped right there. I think it's not the new E3. It's the this is the new normal. What, what mm-hmm. we all used to say during COVID of uh, COVID still out there, guys. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't talk about <laughs> it. Um, the, like, the thing that made E3 E3 was the fact that everyone did their thing in a very close period of time Mm -hmm. the summer tries to mimic that but summer games fest is typically a terrible event we get nowadays what seems to be a pretty solid xbox thing Mm -hmm. and a few other things that no one else cares about so at least with this um we're just kind of splitting up the year and the game awards i mean in for what have they done for me lately it's like i mean they're kind of hitting on these game reveals overall uh but my my overall thoughts on the show was i i actually thought it was a very good show very watchable but i do just echo everything of um i would have liked to see a little more celebration of the year Mm -hmm. celebration of the industry and peter kind of alluded to this but I wasn't really of the mind that Keeley actually had to acknowledge like, oh, so many layoffs, let's all unionize. Like, I didn't think he had to do that, but it it doesn't sit well that, like, he also kind of just, like, 
spat in the industry's face. That's what I was going to say. Like Again, when we, you and I had that heated debate, I never once thought, this is going to happen, or Jeff has to do this. I repeatedly said, this will not happen. I did not think he was going to have such a, I, could, I couldn't give a fuck attitude. Like, it, it kind of felt like a middle finger to mm-hmm. the industry. Like, he, he has made it abundantly clear he is on the side of the publishers, he will not bite the hand that feeds, and he cares more about putting on a show and being friends with celebrities and making the games industry feel like other industries that the games industry has like already passed for some odd sense of vanity that has honestly probably been with him throughout his entire career if you go back and look at it, but is now as plain to see as humanly possible, and I'm being very negative towards him. I still like Jeff Keighley, but I think he made a clown of himself tonight. I genuinely think Jeff Keighley made a fucking clown of himself tonight, and for a man who claims that video games are one of the most important things to him, he sure as shit did not act like it tonight. I really wonder if security was like one of the top things on it. He wanted a tight show just to make sure he had things controlled because he had two shows back-to-back or something weird like that happened. I could be wrong. There were a lot more Larian people who were going up, and I could see the security guards like pulling their hands out like, no, no, no. And a few of them had to go sit back down. I will not be surprised if that comes out. Look, I understand wanting to have security. Look, no one did anything fucking stupid this year. I understand why that was top of mind for him. I don't blame him for that. That was the right call. But if all of Larian wants to go on stage, you're going to fucking let them go on stage. What is wrong with you? I I completely agree with that. I mean, best picture at the Oscars, like, that's always the biggest group that's on stage. Uh, literally just, like vet the people that are coming to your fucking event this should not be open to the public by mm-hmm. the way oh like there should not be like random fans that are there but i mean i guess that's like just content creators like mm-hmm. what are you gonna do i mean they're they're random fans that are somehow mm-hmm. making money for this but um i can't wait to listen to all my podcasts and them all to just say like actually my favorite part was just seeing all the people i work with it's like good for you. We wanted your thoughts on the show, actually, mm-hmm. but um, we have a whole rest of a podcast that you can listen to here. So mm-hmm. let's get back to that. Okay, as we come back to what is currently our present day, we uh, we are the people who have not seen the game awards. Don't either of you dare make the fucking joke of like can't can't believe. We saw Fallout Seven. I was gonna say I that can't was believe crazy. Jeff Keighley, I was gonna say I can't believe Jeff Keeley solved Middle East peace. I can't believe he <laughs> stuck his dick out on the stage. That was kind of nuts when he did that. <laughs> um, you that I apologize. He's a professional. No, Jeff Keeley would never. He would never do either of those things. Actually, on a side, on a side note, did you? I don't know if you guys saw this. The kid who got up on the stage last year at the Game Awards, right? Ugh, yeah. That, that kid. Jeff Keel, or the Game Awards Twitter account tweets about how, stay tuned, come see us live tomorrow at 7 p.m. He quote tweets them and says, see you tomorrow, Jeff. So it's like, Ugh. oh, this is a bit ominous right now. What's what's going to happen now? Is anything going to happen? Probably not. This is a test of the security tomorrow. No. And- this is one of the things I hate about our modern culture. Which is that you saw this tweet from him, which mm-hmm. means this jackass actually gained some sort of following. 
based on his actions mm-hmm. for I making mean, a an incredibly well, stupid joke. Well, I, I, it's not even the incredible. Look, I don't like the kid. I don't find him funny. It's crazy because it's this isn't the only live event. There have been like a, I remember there was like a WWE that someone was watching like a big WWE event that someone was watching and they zoomed on the camera and the kid photobombed a WWE event too. It's like he's gone to several live events mm-hmm. in multiple different industries and managed to like bomb pictures and vote oh, yeah. and like live streams. I don't know how he does it. Mm-hmm. Not even that. Just like certain celebrities, like Instagram stories. Like he's shown up in their Instagram stories, just casually, just in the background, and like comes to talk to people. And like this, this guy is just getting around and just finding his way into celebrity circles somehow. So it's like oh, this, this kid. He's been he was doing this before the game words too, as well. So like that was just kind of. I don't like the kid, but I'll give him props for the fact that he, the way he sold, going up on stage. Last year, it's like it—it's impressive. I'm hey, sorry, I, I don't like the kid, but you gotta respect him. Yeah, for the <laughs> you, for this one, it, this one specific instance, and this alone, never again. Yes, because all three of us watched the game awards together last year. We all saw him on stage, and we thought nothing of it. I mean, at he this did... point, <laughs> that's to cut you off, Peter. No, go ahead. But like at this point. People listening to the podcast, we could have just talked about like how he just did a terrible thing at the Game Awards. He showed up and he is he is done. Careful what you say. And it is a different world. <laughs> it is a different episode of the podcast that we live. We are. God <laughs> forbid know. he commits. God forbid that, he commits look, a crime, and I'm saying I respected him. Look, let's let's be honest though. We didn't notice because after the award was given. We tuned out and primarily started talking about the other atrocity that happened at last year's Game Awards, which was uh, the the Kratos voice actor speech. I imagine like this was that was like the gaming equivalent to like the Challenger exploded. Like it was just <laughs> you. It, we just watched in horror, knowing there was nothing we could do, and we I, just. I thought it was funny. Personally, I thought it was sweet, funny, but also just like, like, I just like to see how Jeff Keighley had to react. Like, what's he doing to keep his show in? How many fucking Steam decks he had to give away because Christopher Judge talking. <laughs> Christopher Judge made 100-year-old Al Pacino stand up there yeah. with him for like 10 minutes. Oh, my Again, God. Christopher Judge has been funny on Twitter these last couple days yeah i mean still the moment still sure i mean it was awful um what have we been playing guys have we been gaming has this been happening yes we have been who wants to go first so anyway uh, two things to talk about i played a bit more of cocoon it's still cocoon I did a boss fight. It was really fun. I got stuck in a puzzle and immediately turned the game off. I'll get to it when I get to it. So you're, you're going to finish it is what you're saying? Maybe. Were you... Hopefully. You, you say it's fun. What, were you fairly impressed by the boss? Because when I first came across a boss, I was like... I was kind of shocked at how much the like fun factor of the game went up. Like I thought it was cool. Was it good. the fact that you weren't expecting boss battles or the fact that you thought this boss battle was was especially good? 
I think I think it was a bit of both. Not that I thought like, wow, this was an exceptional boss battle. I just thought like the way it moved was really cool, and especially its second phase, like it it really got me on edge and tense during it. And I thought I thought that was fun. I I, I liked it. I wasn't on the edge of my seat, but I remember playing. It's like, oh, I'm fu- I'm happy that a game like this can also have boss battles and. It isn't just like aimless puzzle on aimless puzzles. So I did enjoy that. But again, I don't even have like any strong negative feelings towards Cocoon still. It's just, it's a five hour journey esque or journey feel like journey vibes platformer. Or not platform, I'm sorry, puzzle. Puzzle game. And it's good. But people who are just like, oh, it's one of the best games of the year, it's like, okay, I'm sorry I'm not seeing that still, but. I want because again it's only five hours, so I want to beat it because it's a short game. So I I want to and I will continue to play that. The game that I started and finished is I decided to go into my closet and bring out one of my old skeletons mm. of Kingdom Hearts three. I talked about this with Mark. I'm not, you know, I used to listen to a bunch of podcasts about the MCU and used to read articles and stuff, and I'm not into the fandom anymore. But whenever I watch an MCU thing, after watching a movie or like Loki Season 2 that came out, that was genuinely fan-fucking-tastic. Loki Season 2 was fan-fucking-tastic. But whenever I watch Marvel stuff, it's like, oh, I miss what are all these warm feelings I had. I miss when I was into the fandom of the MCU. I miss this. I really had enjoyed the content. I really enjoyed my time back when the MCU was a lot more popular and a much bigger thing. Going into Kingdom Hearts again, something I'm no longer a fan of, but used to massively be. Like, it was like looking at your cringy Facebook post from 12 years ago. Like, how could I have ever been this person? How could I have ever thought that this was cool? And that's a lot of my thoughts on Kingdom Hearts 3 second time around. Although I never thought Kingdom Hearts 3 specifically was that good when I first played it. I mean, to counteract this, I was criticizing Peter as he was going through these uh, feelings and calling him a naive fan for feeling the way that he does. Very, very foolish for him to, for very specific instances of story beats and sequences happening on the screen that he was embarrassed of. And I said, Peter, this, this just makes sense that this works this way. Kingdom Hearts, they set this up. The lore says that this scene is okay. You shouldn't expect anything more. Not in a way so, that you so should like. Owen, when uh when Sora, Don, and Goofy get the big here, uh, uh San Francisco, which oh, if right. you've never seen Either. the film, uh, is the, I have the seen world. the film. So you, yeah, I'm talking about Big Hero Six, and when they get there, uh, Sora refers to himself, Donald, and Goofy. When they ask, "Hey, what are your names? Who are you guys?" They call themselves Key Hero Three, and he says it in an exciting, pumped-up manner. And I had to pause the game, and I called Mark down, and I just pointed at the TV. Uh, she's like, what the fuck is this? And I said he was super excited. Sora doesn't get to be a superhero, Peter. When when has he ever been able to do that? And now he gets to do that here. And it's all about, they said in the first game, this very important rule when they go to the worlds, no meddling with the affairs of other worlds. So they're just trying to blend into the status quo of the big Hero 6 world. They're just he really crime. believes this shit. I want you to know, he really believes this shit. He's not doing this for a joke. I'm going to say that line doesn't offend me. How about this? Thank How about you. this? Later in the Big Hero Six, uh, world the villain—I won't say who—but one of the one of the villains of the game is like yelling <laughs> at Big Hero Six, and you know he's yelling at Hero, and then Hero steps in. He's like, "It's not the sum of our parts; it's some of our hearts." 
Yeah. That one's a little tougher. That one <laughs> that was another that was another one. That one was another one. I had to pause the game and I called Mark down. I was like, look at this shit. And Mark was like, I got nothing for you. I got no, I, I didn't say I got I didn't say I got maybe the, the heart bad. is important. The hearts are important to Kingdom Hearts, Peter. You know what the life force and the power of a heart is. It isn't just like, oh, our friendship and feelings are saving the day. The heart in Kingdom Hearts is a very powerful part of a person. There's, there, there is decade plus of lore building up what it means for the heart. This will Hero probably... This will. I'm cutting you off now. This will probably be one of the most I talk about in games we've played in the history of BNY. Because there is, so, I have such aggressive mixed emotions on this game. Well, real quick, I can't believe some of the fucking actors they got to come for this thing. I'm forgetting his name, which sucks. Because I was talking to Mark about this. Owen, who's the name of the actor? Uh, Deadpool's friend in Deadpool. He was on that one HBO show, I think, Silicon Valley. Um, got canceled. Ooh, great question. TJ Miller. TJ Miller. Yes. TJ Miller's in Kingdom Hearts 3. Because <laughs> he voiced the character, he voiced one of the big Hero 6, and he started talking. I was like, fucking, they got fucking TJ Miller to come back for Kingdom Hearts. I couldn't fucking believe it. But, and then yeah, they actually got Adina Menzel. They got all of the Frozen Entangled cast to come back to refill their roles. And it's like, I can't believe you got these fucking real actors and actresses to come back for this dumb shit. But, anyway, what sucks? Middle Kingdom Hearts 3 is the Phantom Pain of the Kingdom Hearts series. The gameplay in 3 is fan fantastic it's fantastic the game look the game i truly believe i said this to mark kingdom hearts 3 is in the wind waker wind waker camp of this game will always look beautiful for the rest of time kingdom hearts 3 will always look visually beautiful i love looking at this game i adored how well they brought these disney these different disney environments to life some worlds are better than others but the worlds that I love, I fucking adore. Pirate, like the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean returns in this game. Best world in the game. I fucking love the Caribbean. It's goddamn great. I love Monsters, Inc., but that's just because I have a personal attachment to Monsters, Inc. It's my favorite Pixar movie. One of my, I probably my favorite movie as a kid. So I loved just running around Monsters, Inc. with Mike Sully and Boo. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. The Kingdom of Corona. Tangled. Another fantastic world. But for every time I'm enjoying a Disney World, or enjoying the combat, or enjoying looking at the game, or listening to the game, my god, the music in this game mm. is so good. It's so That's good. Cool. Even though there's not a lot of original tracks in the game outside of the Disney Worlds, and a lot of it is just reusing classics from the rest of the series, still a good soundtrack. Great. Fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. I think some of the best songs of Kingdom Hearts are here, and I specifically think Roxas and Vanitas' themes are some of the best music that Kingdom Hearts ever made in this in Kingdom Hearts 3. That being said, every the character writing is atrocious. The dialogue is nausea, like not like just vomit inducing. Jay Haley Joel Osmond as Sora is terrible. And I'm more so blaming the right the dialogue he has to read 
and the voice direction he's given. Because I do not buy that this is an 18-year-old kid. This is clearly a man in his 40s. I just... you sh They should have gotten a different voice actor. And I know that it's not him, because he voices another character. He voices Vanitas as well. And I think he's fucking great as Vanitas. Mark, I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I think Halo Joel as Vanitas is leaps and bounds better than he is as Sora. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real, Peter. Sometimes I think Vanitas' dialogue, like, th there's times where Vanitas is, like, the character he's supposed to be. He's just, like, an incarnation of darkness. But sometimes I think he's, like, the edgiest character in the series sometimes with how he talks. I'm just like, you know what? This, this is where I cringe here. Sometimes with how Vanitas talks. He talks to Ventus specifically. Like, I don't like how he speaks to him. Yeah, I don't like that he called him Venti Wenti either. I'm not yeah. saying, right, put that in the fucking fridge. But we're not going to talk about Vinicius' character because you don't have enough time. But I really enjoyed Haley Joel Osment's performance as Vinicius, and that might also be because Vinicius doesn't talk like most of the rest of the cast, where it's like, we'll hold heart and we'll defeat darkness. Vinicius is just like, I'm going to kill you now. I'm going to take your life. And it's like, I appreciate a character who is just more open and more straight to the point. But... Oh, and this dialogue is so fucking terrible. And I can't believe that Nomura has been given the reins for the FF7. Re like, you know, all the new FF7 story. I can't believe it. The man, the man can't write a good story to save his own life. He is a pro possibly, probably a great human being. I can't stress this enough. Like, there are some developers I will openly criticize on here and acknowledge I do not like them. Nomura is a great person. I do not want to attack him as an individual. He can't write his way out of a paper bag. His, I mean, especially with Remind, the DLC for this game, he is just... The, Kingdom Hearts is nonsensical now. I'm not saying it was a well-told, uh, well-oiled machine before, but you could kind of piece the story together if you really tried. It's nonsensical now. It's absurd. It's contradicted itself. It's twisted itself so many turns. How the fuck there's going to be a fourth one, I don't know. Like, the game doesn't make sense anymore. It's just gibberish. It's just a shotgun of gibberish and nonsense and bullshit. And I was getting, like, annoyed by the end of Remind because Nomura is just so far up his own ass he can't tell the difference between left and right. And he is just... I can't express, we've talked about, we used to talk about this earlier in BNY, and we haven't talked about it for a long time, but let's not forget that the, one of the main story arcs going into Kingdom Hearts 4, now that the Xehanort saga is over, is literally Nomura bringing back the story he had for FF, for, for Final Fantasy Versus 13, because he is still, all these years later, so bitter. The fact that he didn't get to make the game he wanted and he was taken off that project. And now he's just taking that story and inserting into his already popular established franchise. I just think that is so childish. I just look at that and I go, how the fuck is Square Enix just allowing him to do this? I don't, I can't comprehend it. I don't think the man is a good writer. I don't think he can write characters. I don't think he can write dialogue. I think he, I think he fails in his job in every single level. And I truly think Kingdom Hearts is one of the worst stories I've ever seen in fiction. And it lays fully at the feet of one man. And that is Tetsuya Nomura. Oh. I think part of his issue is that you said he can't write his way out of a paper bag. It seems like he was just constantly trying to write his way out of the paper bag. 
like the storytelling of Kingdom Hearts comes off very often of like, no, you were allowed to just like play it straight here for a little bit. Like you could have just like come to some logical conclusions, but no, everything had to be weird. Um, there's something to respect about that, I think, but I don't know. It obviously didn't lead to a but you you there is there is respectable weird in the games industry and his name is hideo kojima you're right hideo, hideo kojima is fucking weird as shit and he makes some and he's told some of the best stories in gaming obviously he's still weird i'll never forget you're gonna feel bad about why quiet looks that way and then i played phantom pain i'm like what on earth were you fucking talking about but then you have i mean again just in all of his games there's so many I can't say my favorite part about Death Stranding because it's a spoiler. But again, there are so many weird things in Death Stranding and then certain characters and certain events moment like, oh, here he is. Here's Hideo Kojima. Now this shit, this shit's why I love him so much. There's never, there are very rarely those moments in Kingdom Hearts 3. There are a few story beats that I would even text Mark after where I'd be like, I am so, like, I'm so into this. There are certain character beats or character moments or character revelations. Like, oh, where's this character been this whole time? And then it's basically revealed that, oh, he's been in front of you this entire time. You didn't know it. And I do things like that. I wish I could say specifics because you would even understand it. But with, like, you know, with how little Kingdom Hearts you fully consume, but you know enough that you'd be like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. There are certain individual. Do you, are you, are you being, are you kidding? Or I am, I'm assuring Owen he would say that. Yeah, like, again, Mark, there, there is one moment in particular of where has this character been throughout the entire story? They tell you, and it's like, that's fucking Is it, is it Shion? Or is that No, name? but she does it. I mean, can, can, can we just say it, Mark? Can we just say it? No, we can't. I want yeah. to play Kingdom Hearts 3. Wait, Why not? I want to play Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, you do. Uh, one no. day. I say with a question, Mark. Okay, I'm going to say, got? I'm going to say... Skip, skip ahead, ahead 30 nine, seconds to a minute. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3 spoiler. So, where is Terra? Where is Terra after Xehanort took his body and then, you know, he turns into the heart, he turns into Anthem's evidence. Where is Terra's heart? Where is he? He's been is missing this, this. This is something you you knew, Owen, right? Terra was just missing after the prequel. He just disappeared. I did not remember that he disappeared, but Terra is the boring dude in... Um, in the I PSP like him, game, right? Yes, he's my. I I like Terra. I like Aqua more, and I'm indifferent on Ven. But it's just like, where is Terra? Where is Terra? It's revealed that he is the guardian, the the heartless guardian behind Ansem. He has been enslaved. He is trapped in that heartless, and that Terra Terra has been the guardian throughout the entire series. And That's I cool. See that. And I just got that's fuck. Because then there's a moment where he comes to his senses. He rips the bandages off his fucking mouth and he starts talking. He can only do like individual words because he can barely speak. And it's just like, oh, that's so good. I, I just, I love that so much. This idea, like, oh, Terra's been in front of you this entire time. He's been there since the fucking first game when you saw him in plain sight. You never fucking knew it. He's, oh, I just, there's moments like that. And that, again, I think they do the birth by sleep trio justice. I think. I think they were the only ones who ever really had, like, a re out of the three main trios of the Destiny Island kids, the Organization kids, and the Birth by Sleep kids. All three of, like, just, I think the, the, the best writing in the series was the Birth by Sleep kids story. I really liked them. I still do. 
What, Mark? I mean, I would agree to disagree on this one, but go on. I won't stop you. I don't like the way he's saying this. Like, I'm yeah, no, wait, wrong opinion. You're you're agreeing. You're agreeing that Peter's I, saying this. I disagree. I'm going to have to agree to disagree on this. Agree matter. to disagree. Okay, okay. Are you with? Are you an organization trio being the best kind of person? I mean, I do like their story the most, but like Ventus and Terra, I feel like Ventus and Terra are a whole lot of nothing. And then there's okay. Aqua. I think Ven is nothing, but I really like Aqua and Terra. Whereas I do not like Gion, but I really like Axel and Roxas. I like the story of what happens to Terra, but like Terra, like being like in the pilot seat of his own story, he is just like a watered down, boring Anakin Skywalker. Except he doesn't get to become cool Darth Vader. He becomes heartlessly. He's man. enslaved. He is legitimately yeah. enslaved for 10 years. Yeah, and that part is cool, but it's just like, oh, but who is the guy behind the mask? And you, you get to learn who that is in Birth by Sleep. And it's like, this guy's boring. We're but not going to sit down. Yeah. But you're, okay. Gonna... Agree to disagree. But I just can't get this series. I, I've i always said this, and I'll only talk for a few more minutes because we have other things we got to get to. But I've always said that after Kingdom Hearts 1, Nomura saw the massive popularity of it. And instead of it being a crossover between Final Fantasy and Disney, he thought people loved Kingdom Hearts for his original writing. And that's why 2 goes so far in the Nomura direction and it never stops. Because he keeps thinking, oh my, they're not here for Mickey Mouse or Cloud Strife. They're here for me. And he took that philosophy and ran with it and is still running with it for the series today. And it's just a shame at how cool and good this series genuinely could have been from a narrative perspective. And he is just, it's, there's no one telling him to make these story decisions or to write the characters this way. No one's telling him. He chooses to do this. It's his choice. And for that, it is a much worse product and a much worse series and one that should not be taken seriously by anyone with a functioning brain. I'm sorry. Like, there's liking bad stories. There's liking bad movies. This story, this franchise is incoherent. It's not... It's not... I, I truly believe you have to remind a DLC that was supposed to clear up the story and help explain some things. I truly believe, I have to remind, the story is incomprehensible. Truly. It is not possible to understand the story. You didn't get the secret ending. What the fuck are you talking about? There's a secret ending if you beat the bosses, those post-game bosses. And that's the true ending of the game there. So you're telling me that answers everything, everything I could ever need. Well, exactly. <laughs> not, not everything. You're but... talking. You're telling me that Dylan Sprouse is gonna is what's really gonna solve all my problems with this he, game. He he's the next step forward. And yes, I will also. Yet. Oh, and Dylan Sprouse, Zach from Zach and Cody, is voicing uh, one of the main characters of the next storyline of Kingdom Hearts. Interesting turn. Glad yeah. to see he's still getting work. Yeah, but overall. There's so much more I could say, but I'm not going to because we are, you know, we're trying to, you know, we, with all the our game awards reactions, you guys, you guys heard us. I couldn't believe it. I'm just um, gonna end with. Oh, okay. And... No, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna end with. This game could have been so much better. I will never anticipate it. Like Super Smash Brothers Brawl, Kingdom Hearts Three. I will never be able to replicate my hype and expectations for those two games at any product. For the rest of my life. It's not. I don't think it's physically possible. 
even playing through the game and the first the first world the real world you go to is olympus and even playing through that i'm just smiling from ear to ear going like oh my god this is i this is i mean they nail olympus olympus is another fucking fantastic world i love olympus in this game and it's just like it's, it's a world that you've been with since the very beginning and they're just delving into more of the story. They're doing the rest of the movie. Like, the final boss, it's like all of the Titans in Olympus. And it's just so fucking good. And it's just like, man, this is everything I kid Peter wanted out of a Disney World in the final chapter of the story. And then every time I, every time I have a reason to feel positive, I'm given two or three to just be incredibly fucking negative. Like, I... I compare it to the Phantom Pain, but my disappointment in this game can't is not even comparable to my disappointment of Phantom Pain. I have such a disdain for this game. I have such a disdain for this series. Will I play four? It's possible, but in this story is incomprehensible, and it always will be because that's just the story that Nomura wants to write. He wants to write a story that's so complicated, is told on every fucking gaming platform possible. He try. I've never seen a writer try to make his story less compatible with the general audience than this guy. Well, he put it all in the collection. You can get Kingdom Hearts of Story so far on PlayStation 4. It's all there, except the I'm mobile. sorry, how many mobile games has it's he one. made now? There's one that has been rebranded three times. And now we're making a new one, Missing Link. Uh, the hit new gotcha GPS action RPG. That and didn't you tell me that there was also a story revelations in the music game for three oh, yeah. for a yeah. DS or 3DS? That's, it's not a 3DS, Peter. It was on goddamn Nintendo Switch, Switch and PlayStation Switch, 4. Right. It was on multiple platforms. You can probably get it on Xbox too. Either way, Owen, uh, he's t- there's also Kingdom Hearts story being told in the music game. Story. In the music game. Crucial story. It actually corrects everything for Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, just what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Like, do you... Uh, like, I just... I, w- I wish I could get Nomura in a room and have a translator be like, what do you actually... What is... Do you see the world differently than me? Is green blue in your eyes? Like, is up down for you? Like, why are you making such an unapproachable story that you're investing so much of your life into? What the fuck are you doing? I mean, it's, like it's, I, it's one cutscene that's like a half an hour. That's all you it need. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's been doing this since the start. He's been doing this since Chain of Memories. He keeps putting all these stories in these different genres of games on these different platforms. And it's like, why are you trying to make this so unapproachable? What is wrong with you? What Melody, is wrong with you? Melody of Memories and the mobile game are the only two instances where they were different He's defending genres. this, Owen. He's defending well, this. There are two in in our Discord, I can see um, Mark's top uh, 100 of all time. So you are currently insulting his um, his number 16th favorite game of all time and his number 25th favorite game of all time. What's now, the 25th? Can you watch the Rewind? And what's 16? Chaina or Chaina. Melody of Memories. Oh my fucking God. I love that <laughs> game, Peter. <laughs> it, I loved it as a rhythm game. It was a rhythm game made for me of my favorite soundtrack. It's got so many Kingdom Hearts tracks in there, Peter. I I don't want to beat a dead horse because I know I went after you when you first revealed this list to us on the episode, mm-hmm. but you're you're actually lying. 
when you put that game at 16. It, I doubled down. I'm tripling down. Like I know how much like the game. It was my game of the year that year. It came out. Yep. And, and, and Joe's favorite game is Black 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it for me. I'll stop there. I've said, I'm getting mad thinking about Kingdom Hearts. So that's that's all for me. Oh, and I'm curious what you've been playing. So I have some updates to games and some interesting games I've been playing. I'm so my predicting updates. he gave up on one. That's my prediction. Oh, please, God. <laughs> so I I have a few updates. Still playing Red Dead 2 on occasion. Oh. That's, that's going to be like a, I'm slow playing it. I'm, I'm in no rush. Like, it's not the only game I'm playing. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is just on the back burner right now. I knew it. I knew no, it. No, uh, no, I told no, you, no. Mark. I told you he's going to give up on it. I nope. fucking told you. Nope. It is not a give up on situation. I am just in a phase where I'm jumping around from game to game. I'm about 12 hours into that game. I can come back in another few weeks. And I can put it in another 12 hours and I can put it down again if I want to. That's that's how I'm going to play it. Um, <laughs> The game I did put down is Alan Wake 1. Uh, I didn't really like this game. Um, And I did look up a story summary to fill in what I didn't know so that if I so choose, I can try out the second game. That seems to be significantly different. But um, literally nothing about it was interesting to me. Um, part of it is because I played control. So a lot of the tricks that they're trying to pull in this game, it's like, well, I already saw you guys like do this better. And there's no variety to it whatsoever where every single level is running through a wooded area and you run for about 45 seconds and then everything goes to slow motion and it'll start showing you shadows running towards you. And then you fight those shadows and you beat them. And then you run for another 45 seconds and the same thing just like happens over and over again. Um, the only thing I found interesting was the flashlight mechanics I thought were pretty cool. But if those were supposed to carry me through the whole game, then it just wasn't worth it. I actually like, I, I, went through quite the mental gymnastics on this because I was thinking like I'm more than halfway through it. I'm in the middle of chapter four and there are six chapters in the game. So old me would have said like, well, I'm this far, so I might as well just beat it. But as far as like my base on how long to beat goes, this was still another like four to five hours. I decided like, I think I can use that four to five hours for like something else I'd enjoy. Um, and I'm okay with that. I just don't think Alan Wake one was a very good game. Uh, the games I have been playing, <clears throat> I've played more cocoon as well. Um, and I've actually liked it quite a bit. I've beaten three of what I believe are five bosses. I, have been pretty good at it overall puzzle games can be 
kind of hit or miss for me when it comes to how well I'm going to do. This just seems to be one where like the logic of it just kind of clicks for me. Where a lot of it is that you have these orbs you're carrying around. And these orbs also represent like their own levels. So there's a lot of like a level within a level kind of stuff. Where when you're carrying the orb, it has a power. When the orb is set up in a certain place, it's a world. You can carry another orb that has a different power into another world. And it's it's a lot of like a thing inside a thing inside a thing. I've still really liked it. And I think the boss battles have, um, have continued to be a lot of fun. The thing that I've started letting myself do is like take a look at some of the really positive reviews of like, Okay, so like where am I at compared to where kind of general opinion is at? And the thing I keep falling back on is that everyone keeps talking about like, you know, without a single word said, there's such a compelling narrative here. And it's like, where? I don't I don't see it. I'm I'm a bug. <laughs> and I'm like I'm a robotic bug. It's like yeah, I'm like, and I'm what fighting are we other talking bugs. About yeah, um, maybe maybe they're they're saying the the narrative is just the the experience of going through these visual worlds. I I I'm not sure if I buy into that. Um, and maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe it all comes together in the end for it's like oh, so that's what I was doing the whole time. That's possible. But um, as of right now, it's it's not a narrative game. It's a very pretty game. It's a game I really like how it sounds. And as far as puzzle games go, I'm liking it more than the average one. Uh, I'm going to save the one that could potentially have the most questions for it for the end. I'm going to list a really random one that you guys would never expect. And I don't oh, have yeah. many opinions on this. But I randomly decided to start playing Counter-Strike 2, which is a new oh. game that came out this year. I guess so. But why? Um, because I never really understood Counter-Strike. Never really knew what it was. I mentioned earlier how I was on the like Valve documentary kick. So I decided to just try it out and i've found it interesting despite the fact that i am fucking horrible i am absolutely horrible and everyone else is so good but i'm also a little convinced that people are hacking because it's like how how is this one dude that is in a fucking casual lobby with me killing me with one headshot Every single time he sees me, like there's there's some fishy stuff like that. I mean, it could be cheating. I just know people who just regularly like to smurf, just be in the lobbies just so they can just dominate people who are lower level. And like a game like that, Valorant, even Overwatch, like that is very very common to see something like that. Probably more common in CS uh, go too, just because it is one of the most hyper competitive games out there. Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I haven't played like a ton of it, a ton of it. Um, 
I might play a little bit more just to get a little more of a feel for it, but I I don't expect to become like a Counter Strike hardo by any means. Um, I don't even think I have what it takes to be quite honest. I don't. I also don't think that's what they call themselves. A Counter Strike hardo. Yeah, I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the lingo. Well, that's what I call them. So, uh, the last game is I've played probably only about three and a half hours of Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, shit. Okay. I do not like the game. I am... No, no. I'm I'm liking it so far, but I am definitely at a point of, like, honestly, I'm not sure if I could offer a single opinion on this yet because I can tell how big it is and I haven't scratched the surface of anything. Um, I am kind of getting like the storyline of the first area kind of laid out for me right now. And I find it interesting. I think I like the combat. Uh, it definitely helps having some familiarity with how D and D works. And I've also, um, I've liked the party interaction so far, but beyond some of those sort of first impressions, I can't, I can't make any large statements about this game at all yet um mark i want to leave it open to you though if you have any questions for me early on ask away oh i'm I'm curious what party members you're using and what class you've picked so i maybe i overthought it because this is actually very user friendly overall especially i'm impressed with how it plays on a controller Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. Like I prefer playing this game on controller versus PC, and that PC is where I started playing it. And you would imagine a game like this, like oh, this is made for like mouse and keyboard, but no, it just everything is mapped so tightly, neatly, and conveniently. It's like no, this just works. This works so damn well. Um, I completely agree, and so I overthought it in the character creator and thought. I think I want familiarity and I've pretty much only ever played as a rogue in D and D and I decided because I know how this works, I'm just going to be a rogue again. Um, now this is the type of game I think is very much open for the starting of new characters and also the feeling like I don't I don't have to get through all three acts if I start a new character. Like I could probably have fun mm-hmm. with a new character for a little while and just put them down. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, on top of that, you haven't unlocked it yet, but you'll just be able to like whenever you go to camp, you could just respec your character, change your class and level up to whatever level you oh, are at. Okay. Just completely change. Like if you just want to be a wizard one level and just like I don't want to be a wizard anymore, you could just literally swap over. Like even your stats would respec from the, the ground up if you wanted to. That's interesting, but in a game like this, I I feel like that's almost like cheating. It's like, I don't know, I made my bed. This is my character. It's true, it's true. It's just more so like for the starting round, if you're just like Rogue was familiar, but maybe wanted to try something else, like you've got you've got wiggle room, is all I'm trying to say. Um and then my uh camp so far or my party members, I have Shadowheart Gale. Lazel and then um what's the one guy's name I left him at camp? He's like Will. on the cover of the game. 
Asteria. Yeah, uh, yeah. I left him at the camp. Okay. Um, right now I I have had the most interactions with Lazel and Shadowheart. Um, and I've talked to Gail a bit, but uh, nothing has really stood out to me with him okay. so far. Do you know in my playthrough? I never met Gail. Really? Yeah, I just saw the portal and I said, "I'm just not gonna touch that. That looks too dangerous." Oh, and just okay. And left it, and now I kind of regret it because I wish I got to see his story and his quest line, but no, I just don't know Gail. I imagine I probably have missed out on someone because I think one thing that's not a complaint for me; it's more so a it's it's my problem is that. I've never played a CRPG, so I don't have anything to compare this to. It's completely a new experience. And when I'm like walking around the world map, I find it pretty difficult to understand like where I'm going at all. Um, You can pull up like waypoints that you can read on your map. They won't come up on screen and that's fine. But even just the after the intro, you're off the mind flare ship and you're in the kind of like, I don't even know what it's called, but it's basically just like woods and mountains and stuff. I was just kind of walking around aimlessly and luckily that led me to some people and eventually to the little civilization I needed to get to. The Grove? Yes. Okay. But I genuinely have no idea how that happened because I was just taking random turns. Like, I may have even gone in circles at points because I, I really had no idea where I was going. I want you to know, I did not find Lazel because you found her in a cage, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Okay. If you do things in a certain order and, like, like there's like a stage a state where like you'll meet those characters and they can just be lying around in random spots. Lazel, I think is the only one like this. If you wait too long and she's in the cage, she moves somewhere else and you can watch her get executed. Holy crap. <laughs> yes. She gets executed. And how I got her to join my party is like, I watched her get executed, snuck up to the people that executed, like picked up her body, put her in my pocket and then like revived her as I snuck her out. And then she's just like, hey, we're friends. We're just party members already. Like it just totally skipping a reintroduction, but she just was hanging out with me after I saved her life. Wow. I think is maybe a bug to some extent, but it worked out that way. At the very least, it's a bit of an oversight. It is. But like there's just a lot of little things like that where the game things will happen if you if you whether you're aware of it or not, like things are going to progress or happen in a certain way. And that's just one of many things that could just happen a certain way. Well, that's cool. Um, I, I definitely want to, I'm wondering if a lot of the satisfying things that this game can do, if I'm going to realize that they're happening to me, or if I'm only going to realize they're happening in like hindsight and comparison with other people's mm-hmm. experiences. That's definitely how it started for me. I was just kind of playing, doing my own thing and just wondering, I wonder how deep certain quest lines with certain like NPCs like go like, because like the big thing, your objective right now is like, you've got this mind flare thing inside of you. How am I going to 
get this thing out of my head. And like, as you're going to be keep going, there's going to be a, a couple different carrots that'll be laid off. Because like, these are different ways the game is telling you, you can get rid of this parasite. I already have a few carrots there for sure. Which, which is like, oh my God, that's so interesting. You'd think there'd be a golden path here, but at first the game just kind of says like, eh, maybe there's maybe there's multiple golden paths here. And just kind of like poking around, trying some stuff. Uh, and, and then once you've like made decisions and then you compare with other people, and then once you've realized, you kind of get in the loop of doing things and making decisions that you maybe reflect on being like, I wonder how this would have gone differently. Like, like definitely as time goes on and you start doing stuff, it'll start making more sense to where things are branching. And then, then sometimes you'll just be surprised and you hear it from somebody thinking like, I never would have thought the game had a branch for if you did something at a certain point in a quest line. And that's, that's part of the fun, honestly, for the game in a, in a similar way. Where Tears of the Kingdom, I think, was a very cool game for social media because people were creating like crazy stuff. There's just so many branching paths. It's just interesting to hear, just like, hey, if you do this in this spot, this can happen. Or if you talk to someone this way, you'll get this item. And it's like, oh my God, I never I never would have learned any of this from a single playthrough. And it's just so cool to learn more and more and more about this game. As I get further, I'll definitely look into that more. But we should move on. So, Mark, what have you been playing? I've got two games to talk about. One is a new game, a new old game. Another is not a, a new game, but a game uh, that I think if I had played it the year it came out was prob- would probably slide into my top three of that year because that game is very, very good. But first, old new game or new old game, and that's the Super Mario RPG remake. I've played it, completed it, did all the super bosses. I've done everything really I've done basically everything there is to do in that game, and I think clocked in around 12, 13 hours. Um, but it was it was a treat. It was a really just a big nostalgia trip um, of, of a very influential game. Uh, and I think a lot of my time in the game, the biggest joys I had was just kind of reflecting on on what like Super Mario RPG was and like how substantial it was. It helps that like I've been listening to a lot of podcasts where people are also kind of like pointing that out and like really like pointing out to to an extent like why is super mario rpg such an important game because if you kind of go back to it it really it kind of is a little bit of a simple jrpg it's really big for introducing like timing mechanics like instead of just like picking uh the attacks on your menu in a turn-based rpg uh you have to press the a button at the right time when you're doing an attack to do more damage or if an enemy's attacking you you time the a button to like protect yourself and block yourself kind of making uh, a turn-based game more active, which is was very, very fun and influenced every Mario RPG to come after it. Uh, but it was like the first time that the Mario characters ever really had like real personification and how that really resonated with people at a time where Mario was really just as much as you saw him in a side-scrolling game from Mario's 1 through 3, and then all of a sudden... Bam, he's moving around, jumping around. He doesn't talk in the game, but he's he's always making these funny body like his his body language just does so much and communicates so much about him and then other characters who who do end up talking and the things they say where you'd never heard Bowser or Peach or other people talk before and now suddenly they are and just how much life this kind of game brought to the Mario world. And like it's not like it's like a 
a super unique kind of like world. Like there's a lot of like archetypes you can point at to be like, oh, like this this isn't like anything completely brand new. It's not like redefining anything. But it was still something that people fell in love with and something that we've seen for decades later of the Mario world that all kind of stems from this one game. And that's something I really, really appreciated. Um, But it is a lot shorter than I remember, but it helps that I played it before and I know exactly where I'm supposed to be looking and kind of figuring out how to navigate through dungeons is a big part of it, too, Um, where it tries to really incorporate being a platformer alongside uh it just a big jrpg adventure it it mixes these things together in a really really fun and interesting way where even to like other paper marios and mario rpg or mario rpgs i've i've played uh super mario rpg still like still feels like super distinct between all of them uh it's just a a really really fun charming little game a piece of history also that I, I i really appreciate um but i don't have too much more to say about that i'm gonna get peter to borrow it next and i know he's gonna play it and he's gonna revisit so we'll probably physical hear more games. about it. physical games hear that peter i hear you physical i don't games. hate physical games i've just accepted that they're not going to be the future for much longer mm-hmm. i i i agree to disagree that that's how you feel but i'm gonna keep moving um super mario rpg Fun little game. If you haven't played it already and you're, you look like it's, it seems like it's something you're kind of interested in, you really want like a charming little RPG, I think it's a super, super cool game to try out. But the other game, though, a game that I believe was last year, Neon White, I've been playing finally. Ooh, yes. And this is a very good game. <laughs> this is a very, very good game. Um, and I want you to know one, one of the, char- one of the, the treats. To playing this game is the fact that of course this game is just about doing these levels killing all the demons reaching the goal in the fastest amount of time possible and moving around uh and optimizing your time is the the bread and butter of this game but on top of this when you complete a level your friends list is there and anyone who is on your friends list that's beaten the level you can see their time and see how well they do and i've noticed on every level i've got a couple friends on there oh and you are one of these people on my friends list. And I have made sure every level I've done, I have demolished your time. Demolished sure me. Maybe not all of them are demolished. Most of them. I'd say like a good 80% of them, I'm demolishing. I've got several seconds ahead. Oh, well, I, honestly, like I might have to go back to the game. Um, there, not every level was made the same for me in that like I wasn't going for my absolute best on every level, I was typically going for the metal. And then there were the few levels that clicked for whatever reason that it's like, okay, I'm going to play this single level for an hour and a half now until I do as good <laughs> as I possibly can. Um, so I'll be interested if you, if you encounter some of those levels, if you're, if you're still demolishing me or if I look a little more competitive. If I hear that like you've gone back and have tried beating some of your scores, I will definitely comb through all of the levels I've done to make sure, like, oh, did he beat me here? If he did, maybe I got to go back and uh, do something about that. But, like, that's that's been a huge element of the game also. Just having other friends on my friends list who I've compared this to, and just being like, I, I need to beat their time. I didn't beat this level until I've kind of beaten their time. And, like, there's some levels where it's like, 
oh, I've beaten their time. I know I can do better. I can tell everyone on my friend list on this level, they just got the best medal and moved on. But I'm just like, yeah, but you know what? I'm still going to shave five seconds off of this level because I know I can get that five seconds off. On top of that all, just the soundtrack also is very, very good for this game, too. I've kind of avoided listening to the soundtrack because I knew I'd play it. I knew last year, like, oh, this is a game that's going to get a physical release and everything has happened. The stars have aligned. I got everything I wanted here. Um, and I I was thinking this was going to be like a slow burn game, but like I'm enjoying it so much that I'm probably going to finish it sooner than later. Like I, I was at a point where I'm just like, because there's like levels are presented in different batches. Like there's like 10 levels it gives you at a time. You go back to a hub world to do some visual novel stuff that like is not the best part of the game. Like there's honestly some characters I don't mind, but there's a couple of characters I'm just like you're you're creepy, and this is I feel like common knowledge to people who have played me on white and people yes. and just like yeah, this, you're not here for the story. You're not that's not what you're trying to play here. I kind of had the contrarian take of actually the story is kind of good, but like um, I, I didn't hate it. Like like I'm not hating it. There's just a couple of characters that are a couple of weirdos and like just a couple, but most of them honestly I think are fine. I like the premise, the idea that's like, oh, everyone's c- coming from hell and they're fighting for a chance to stay in heaven. And all these angel people are kind of dicks about it and pompous about it. And you're just kind of making do because this is your one chance and you're kind of just trying to play your cards right alongside your other demon friends or not demons. I don't know. You, people who have died and gone to hell, not demons. You're fighting demons. But uh, I'll definitely talk more about this as I keep going on. But this is very very cool game that clicks super super easy all right it is time for our last topic of the show um we should probably talk about the most important upcoming game in existence that being gta 6 the trailer dropped the world has properly been set on fire by it and we should discuss mark i know you have come into this episode like just being curious about um, kind of how we all think about this. Do you want to start us off by talking about like what does the GTA series kind of mean to you personally before we get into the into the bigger picture of this? Yeah, I mean, like the, to tee this off is just because like this is a, a huge thing that's kind of going on. Like as, as none of us are. I mean, we've talked a lot about Red Dead too. Oh, and definitely a big Rockstar fan safe to say but like gta like is not a game that falls in any of like our top 20 i don't think would you say say that's fair owen like a a gta 4 i know is your favorite gta 4 is definitely in my top 20 okay so then i i stand corrected there but i know as someone who's played gta 3 4 5 um these are games that like I have played, but just because, like, oh, it's GTA, there's, like, as a fun sandbox game, that's kind of, like, my main appeal to it. But, like, these games are just so big. And so, so much uh, interest. The world just has no... There's nothing like Grand Theft Auto. And it's it's fascinating to see it kind of come around and, like, with my finger on the pulse of games and just seeing just how much love there is for this game, for this series... Which like isn't like super surprising, but just seeing it happen in real time just is like really interesting to kind of observe as we're kind of going through it. And so that with that all being said, just teeing off was like 
what what's our pulse on GTA as a series and like wh- how how invested in the GTA 6 hype cycle are each of us here? Peter, I want to start with you because I, I imagine you have the least to say probably. What's the rating? Like in terms of like, do you want me to give a number or just, I mean, you just know, flesh, it, flesh it out, just like talk about it. I am not at all invested in the hype cycle. I will probably buy GTA 6 when it comes out. That's no shock to anyone. We've played a lot of... G- Mark, I don't mean you, but like, Vote and I, I think we forget just how much GTA 5 multiplayer we played. Oh, we played a ton of it when it first a got going. Ton. And even... But GTA 5 used to be a game, like, then we would take it... Then it would be a while. And I feel like there were two times we really got into GTA. And when we were into it, we were fucking into it. We remember we used to do races all the damn time. Like... Oh my god, if, I love doing heists with everyone. If we got it together and we decided like let's go and play that one in one in the chamber game mode again, I'd like, have a great I, time. I would go do that. <laughs> yeah. I would love to do another again, it was I don't need the name name of this podcast, but doing the heists because we did all of them. I did all of them with a group of people. And I had a great fucking time. Do the final heist of with of GTA five is one of my favorite multiplayer memories. Because we were up until like 2 or 3 in the morning because we kept failing at the final mission. And tensions were getting very high. And emotions were flaring. And I just really look fondly back on that. But I don't know what it is. I Just GTA has always been something... I look at GTA the way like Madden fans look at Madden. And the way Call of Duty fans look at Call of Duty. Like, oh, obviously that's it's absurd. Been, that's it's been like, absurd. It's like, ah, but there's new Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I'll buy that. Like, that's just all... That's that's how okay. I see Grand Theft Okay, I'm 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 understanding from a personal level you view it that way, not in that they're in any way oh, no. comparable. From products. an end, no, for relax. I'm not saying the quality. I'm saying it's just like okay, yep, there's the new GTA. Yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll play it. Like you're, I I don't think you're gonna get me to go. Oh my fucking god, wow! With Grand Theft Auto, I don't know what it is. It's just I've just never been blown away by Rockstar games. And that's, this isn't me. Like again, I will, I can happily tell you why Bethesda games never blow me away. And I hate I it's because I hate how like the bug written as like aspect of their game culture is just like oh that's part of the charm. I fucking hate that. I see that it's just like waving away legitimate issues with their games. Whereas Rockstar, it's like I hate Red Dead Two only because you love it so much. But if it weren't for you. <laughs> I would have really no ill will towards it. I just see that. I, I've just always looked at Rockstar stories, and it's like, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. So it's like, from a narrative standpoint, I don't really care about Grand Theft Auto 6. From a gameplay standpoint, I'll play it. I'll probably have fun. But everyone's like, oh, it's come out in 2025. Oh, my God. It's like, hey, come out in 2026. Like, I'm not, I'm not in desperate need for this game. So, yeah, it's like... Big fucking deal that's finally got announced. It deserves all of the attention it has gotten and is going to continue to get. But I'm just like, eh, Super Grand Theft Auto. I'll buy it when I buy it. I'll come out when I come out. And I, you know, I'll have fun. But that's honestly about it. I'm the other side of the spectrum. Uh, I'm, I would say I'm very invested in the hype cycle. Um, they're on the right day and perhaps after a replay not only is GTA 4 in my top 20, it could potentially make it into my top 10 if I replay it. Or it could fall further down. Either either could happen, but I think it would go up, actually, because I, I played through the story of GTA 4 at a time where 
I don't know, I was like 14 or 15. Like I couldn't really understand what was going on. I was just kind of enamored by the fact that I was playing a GTA game because I used to not be allowed to. Um, I have actually, in hindsight, especially with this trailer, been able to find a new appreciation for the way Rockstar has been able to hit on the culture of the moment where I saw, I saw someone breaking this down in tweet form and I'm going to paraphrase it in like a horrible way, but GTA four was honestly a perfect encapsulation of being in a representation of New York city in a post nine 11 world. It was the mid two thousands and it was a gritty crime drama about basically the futility of coming to America for the American dream. And in hindsight, I can recognize that as being like an incredibly genius thing on the more obvious front right now with, uh, going back to vice city being a representation of Florida. You can see it in this trailer I got to say, when I first saw the the things that are pretty much TikToks or like social media posts, I first thought like, oh, like I, I, I almost don't like when things try to tackle social media because almost everything does it in a bad, cringy way. But the trailer more so kind of showcased one, the obvious thing of like, oh, Florida man, Florida man is so funny. Um because of all those absurd things. I'm a bit over it, but it's capturing that to some extent. And it's also capturing the fact that a lot of people on social media nowadays are famous for lighting themselves on fire for lack of a better term. It's like they only care about the views. So they're going to go do the absurd fucking thing and put themselves at risk. And, that's just the society we live in nowadays. And I used to be a little more critical of GTA being an effective satire. But when I see it from a top level view in that way, it's like, well, I mean, they are kind of hitting the nail on the head for some of this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I know in a past interview at some point between now and GTA five, uh, Dan Hauser at the time had been asked like, well, how, how do you satirize like, America now, the world at this point. And he had made a comment of just how like at the, the, the political climate at the time of this uh interview, which I believe was post twenty sixteen and just shit was just hitting the fan, everything was going bad. He just said like it is hard to do a satire today because like the world is almost a satire of itself with how ridiculous things are mm-hmm. are going. And I look at this game like taking place in florida as wild as it is and our one could argue that like the social media kind of stuff is a little corny but like it like i see the game trying to be i mean just from this one trailer i i wonder if they're just trying to go for the most crazy place in america where you could find uh some of the most batshit crazy people and that would just be a testament to the times honestly and that's what i'm super interested in is seeing how rockstar wants to try to portray a modern day world 
in with everything that they've learned, especially in a post Red Dead Two world, where if they could make that game as amazing as it was and the story as compelling as that was, I'm curious to see what they can take away from that, learn in GTA, and also try to paint the picture of of what they see today as and how they want to try to satirize it. And I, I'm I'm interested. They have my attention here. Um, and just to kind of end my my personal relation to it. I mean, these were the games that I grew up like I grew up wanting to be old enough to play them. And then I finally got to that point and it felt amazing. And I loved GTA four. I loved Red Dead one. Bully is one of my favorite games like Rockstar is just kind of one of my developers. And I know I know I'm a normie for that, but I can't deny it. Mark, what are uh, what are your feelings towards Rockstar these days? Um, I mean, it's really like I kind of alluded to in a post Red Dead Two world. I'm very curious to see what they're doing. I felt a very similar way, even though like I was I was interested in Naughty Dog before The Last of Us, but it's like, oh, they made this game. What can they take from that and use to make what they're doing better? And then with Uncharted Four, that was my big question: was like, how how are they going to twist Uncharted? with everything that they learned and succeeded with at with the last of us and the uncharted four is amazing. Yeah. They, they uh, came through on that promise, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say the same with the last of us part two. Uh, I think they also delivered in that game, even though I've got my grievances with it, but I think that game is still uh, super, super interesting and it's a step forward in a different direction. But uh, red dead two was a game that, that I know I, I liked a lot. It is in my top 25. So they they have my attention now, uh, and I'm 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 definitely going to play the story of that game unless if like I'm really just not uh, digging it. But I, granted, we only know so much at this point. I don't think that's going to happen. If I could finish GTA Five, I think I could finish GTA Six. Or I did not really care for the story of GTA, GTA 5. Five. Not very good in my opinion. Yeah, story wise, I I just felt like. Sure, Trevor's wacky, but like I didn't find any of the characters truly oh, likable. Oh, please! I remember you loving Trevor, and at the time, sure, I did. But in but retrospect, then he realized Trevor was too popular, and he's not a. He used to not like certain Game of Thrones characters because they had too big of fan bases. Stannis the Manus. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he was my guy. Rest in peace, King. But yeah, Mark, you you were a huge Trevor guy. Don't deny it. I I don't blame I, you time. for changing your mind, but, but we, the time, we can't erase history. And I'm not here to deny it. Trevor was a wacky guy. He said some silly things. And now in retrospect, I'm like, you know what? I was 18 years old when I played Grand Theft Auto V. So maybe an 18-year-old me makes sense that I, that I really like the character. But these are not the times. 10 years later. And here we are getting announced Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, but I know from the trailer, because I know we've all seen this trailer, yes? Yes. Peter, you watched it once. I know you've only watched it once. I watched Owen, it once. How many times have you seen this trailer? I've probably watched it five or six times. Okay. I've seen it, I want to say, like three times at this point, just to try to like let it really sit in. Because... It's not like a FOMO that's kind of going on with this, where it is the biggest game reveal of all time at this point. Even though, like, it doesn't feel like it because I'm not immediately surrounded by anyone who's like been 
dying for this games where like it's just it was a meme to some point where people just in a comment sort of anything is like saying like whatever the context of this video or post this is happening before grand theft auto 6 has been announced and now this is happening before it is come out like people are just always talking about this game and now it is here so it is weird to say that weird weird that like there's the pandemonium going on and it is not immediately around me so like i'm i'm just super interested in trying to like see if i can like really see what people are like craving for from this game because like i see it and i'm curious but like i'm just not i'm not hooked and i think I, i'll be interested when it gets there but i don't know with what if this trailer has really done anything to spark any specific interest other than what we've already speculated on here i have some things that it has sparked um i actually want i want to make a comment on the thing that i'm sure it exists but i have not seen it sparked in reality is i haven't seen the anti-woke crowd getting mad Am I crazy for this? Has anyone else seen it? I oh, mean, you're insane! That's been it's been everywhere. Oh, it's like, been everywhere. Oh like, my god! Okay, yeah, then I'm wrong. Elon I'm sorry. fucking fucking Elon was talking about how he didn't like GTA. He doesn't like it because it's violent. It's crazy. No, no, it's not specifically not... violent because he he didn't want to shoot a cop specifically at the beginning. Once he's once you have to do that at the beginning of GTA Five, he put the game down. He couldn't do it. <laughs> I just it. want to say very very briefly. I just think it's crazy how much a switch from 2016 two sides have done. Because you've seen a lot of right-wingers on YouTube talk about how all oh, this game, it's, it's just glorifying violence and the fact that, you know, it's a Latina as a main character. We should, we should know everyone should abstain from playing this game, should boycott GTA 6. It's like, this is such a fucking polar opposite from where we were as a country seven years ago. It's like the sides have completely switched. You have so many people on the left going like, fuck yeah, GTA 6. You have so many people on the right going, this game is unholy. This game is glorifying <laughs> violence. It's like, how, what the fuck? How did this happen? Well, I stand corrected. And uh, maybe I should have done a more thorough look. Because I actually just assumed I was looking up some trailer reactions. Not because I cared about anyone specifically. I was actually looking for the anti-woke people to see if there was like, just like a really good embarrassing reaction um I just and I, I didn't see woke written in big red letters anywhere so how how i was alerted to this because i was at a, a company event like a, a bonding event we had on monday night when the tra trailer got leaked i look at my phone i'm like oh shit it's leaked and i go before even going to see the trailer i go to twitter and i go to the trending tab and before gta 6 is trend or trending Above it, wokeness is trending with just about like a hundred thousand more tweets. Oh my god! Than GT6 at the time. This is like within the hour of the trailer going live, and of course, I, I I'm just like I haven't seen the trailer yet. I know enough about this game from the leaks. I wasn't gonna watch the trailer at this point in time. I was like, I have to know what what is so woke about this trailer that it's got people upset. And then I watched the trailer. I'm just like, this is nothing. It's literally not. Anything. There's literally just a woman of color who is the protagonist, and there's a lot of black people in this Vice City, which there were black people in Vice City also. So like I don't I don't get it. I didn't understand it. So then I go to Twitter and I'm just like scrolling through. I'm just like, what are these people fucking talking about? 
there's nothing here and a bit of like because it's grand theft auto a lot of these tweets are also just people just using the word woke to be in the trending tag and just tweeting terrible photos of shit you don't actually want to be scrolling <laughs> but there were definitely people complaining about it in in there and of course i didn't spend too long because i was at a company event but it was just like i'm rolling my eyes i can't believe this is i i can believe but i can I'll say i can i can That's believe it but like i'm so annoyed that we're still here and oh my god grand theft auto was woke now of course how could i not see I can't, if what i will say is if this is the hill these people want to die on I say please. Please be the people over the next, specifically over the next 365 days, if they want to be the ones publicly outcrying against Grand Theft Auto 6, fucking be my guest. That is all I will say. I, um... So as I said, I stand corrected on that. I'm going to have to look into it because I, I'm becoming a little bit of a junkie again for finding stuff that, that makes me mad. But That's always good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like we all got to like take a step into it now and then. Like I got to make sure like if I'm like going to get mad about this thing, I got to I gotta make sure it's happening so I know I'm rightfully mad. I'm just yes. like, am I, am I just like reading into something that's not happening? It's like, oh, no, no, I, I am. I'm upset about this this is accurate this is happening this isn't just a handful of tweets i'm seeing this is just a huge chunk of the public opinion right now so i i think with you're within reason to try to take a dive a bit just be beware your algorithm that's all so back to desires for the game i i actually would say i have two i would like to see Although, I mean, it just might not work as good in the GTA setting. A little bit of an expansion of the way that as Arthur, you could call out to anyone. You could just say hi. You could start a fight with them. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of an expansion on that mechanic. Because I always thought that was a really cool way to feel like you were interacting with the people of the world. Were you getting into full dialogue trees or anything? No. And I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But... Just that you could, with the press of a button, either choose to have a positive or negative interaction with someone. I think that's cool. The other thing that I want to see this be an improvement on GTA 5, and I don't think it's going to happen, is I want to see the physics get a little bit improved. Mm -hmm. GTA 4 is a game that had great physics, especially when it came to vehicle destruction. Um, and I always thought that that was like one of the best parts of the game. I just always found it fun to literally just crash into things because your car could get so mangled and I would try and see like how horrible can I get this car and still have it drive. Um, I, I can't be alone in thinking this and thinking that was fun, but it might be a little more of a niche case. Uh, I would like to see GTA 6 lean a little more back into the into the physics direction, whereas GTA 5, it wasn't horrible, but it was like it was closer to Saints Row the Third as far as physics went than it was uh, GTA 4. I thought. Mm -hmm. Like I, I definitely felt like I 
if I got into like a, a huge crash in four, I would fly through the windshield like ten times more often than I would in GTA Five. Yes. That was always a very fun interaction. Sometimes it wasn't what I was always like looking to try to do, but it was never unwelcome, even if it was bad for me, because I was always having fun if I got smashed through the <laughs> windshield. But five really just didn't happen so much. Uh like like a, a good problem to have, I guess. But like I don't know. I I like those insane physics situations to kind of happen. They they're they're kind of goofy and like that's part of the fun of GTA as a sandbox game. Or like in GTA Four, you could literally you could knock the tail off of your helicopter and continue flying just like in a spiral, unable to fully control yourself. Mm-hmm. And that that's the type of thing that they took out of GTA Five. Like. I mean, I didn't even spend too much time in aircrafts for for GTA Five. If I'm being honest, I used a lot less cheats in Five. Where Four, I had everything. I had all. We had all the cheats planned for, and that, that was definitely a big part of that experience. And I wanted to try going into Five, just being like, oh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try playing the game without the cheats. And then I'm on the fence with how I felt about that. I was like, was it was it better without it? Was it better with it? Or just being able to get into something like a helicopter whenever you felt like was just definitely part of the charm but it, i don't know I'm, I'm curious to see exactly how much they're going to add on top of the sandbox or like what 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 does a gta sandbox look like in 2025 and how big it is i've seen i don't know if this is confirmed true or not but like i don't know if it's a mock-up or a leak of the map like the actual size of the map in gta 6 have you guys seen this i don't i don't think i, I have i'm gonna post this in the chat and of course, I don't know if this is accurate. I had a coworker show me this earlier. I just wanted to look it up just to be sure. Just like, hey, this if true, this is a big map. But take a look at this, everybody. Discord, right? It will be Discord. And it's giving me a hard time. Bear with me. But just from this map, it is easily because it's also this is a compare and contrast to the size of the gta 5 map of course too and it's easily going to be twice as big as gta 5 map if this is true that's the type of thing that i'm on board but it 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 worries me in that like i would maybe like a few more interiors if you cut off a chunk of this obscenely large map um because I think interiors could make things a little more interesting. But, uh, I mean, if we ever see this map here, I'm, I'm interested to see what the oh, potential knockout don't is. Don't worry, guys. Here we go. Here we go. On the left, you see GTA 5. On the right, you see the potential size of GTA 6. How is that potential? Like, how, why is that? Why do we think that's the possibility? We'll because I have... Present. I because I haven't looked in to see how accurate this leak possibly is. This was this is floating around from before the trailer was even launched. I'm going to assume this is not true. I but if it were GTA 5 is a big fucking map. It is. It's it's gigantic. So to see this kind of compared to it is just like holy shit. Even in 2013 or for a 2013 game, that's still really really big map yeah no and i actually probably would not like if the map is actually as large as is being showcased here for 
honest, I I wouldn't mind it, considering the story they're kind of going for. If this Bonnie and Clyde were like, if if you are trying to like be on the run and travel around, like I imagine, like the game's gonna try to keep pushing you to far distances to keep moving to to faraway places. If that's really what they're going for, I could see that being cool. And the fact that like if there is like because on this map there are islands which implies like there's just going to be a chunk of the game where you're just traversing on the sea to have to get around and that sounds pretty cool (laughs) that sounds like that could be a lot of fun i'm very interested to see how they handle this bonnie and clyde dynamic from a few different respects one i wonder if they'll have the character switching like in five Mm -hmm. i'm gonna assume that they will but at the same time, I mean, the trailer, I think, makes it pretty clear who they think the main character is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just wonder. The the GTA four story makes a lot of sense of like Russian immigrant just kind of falls back into what he was doing back in Russia. GTA five makes sense on a more modern scale because it's a little more gimmicky. Like GTA five feels like the story was put together in order to allow you to do heists. Like they thought that would be a cool thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering how they handle the story dynamics of this crime couple that exists in modern day where everything is recorded and connected and they could, their identities could probably be found out in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Maybe they won't for the the sake of fun and story. Maybe they won't dive too much into that. I hope I hope they do, because I feel like that would be a challenge for Rockstar to really like like if they really want it to feel like it's in the moment, like I feel like that has to be looming over that. And I think I think it would be a disservice to the characters if like they are these crime masterminds going around and they're not taking advantage of you know the technology of the times because like that's such a huge part of the culture if you're going to be capturing the the culture of like modern day 2023 you have to like really dive into that it doesn't have to be about that but it has to i feel like influence it and the characters have to be savvy enough to navigate around it and through it and that, that would make it a way more interesting story um my prediction on that front is that they might actually go the route of having these do to do their horrible things yet for some reason they're like famous on social media or something uh that sounds like a kind of corny way to go about it but there's definitely some real world comparisons of mm-hmm. how these horrible people can get cult fan bases that can even affect like mm-hmm. whether these people get out of prison and shit like that um i could totally see just like something they do goes viral at some point in time and it plays a big part of a moment someone that they trust is someone that makes it go viral even possibly if i had to like shoot something at it i don't know i trust rockstar to to do it in a way that doesn't come off as as corny peter i have one last question for you which is you're you're more of a diverse gamer nowadays and I know that Rockstar stories have never clicked with you. Do you think you're going to be more willing to give GTA 6's story a chance? 
Probably? Probably is where I will land. Like, again, just my thing is... I don't feel any strong emotion when it comes to GTA 6. I just feel. And that includes, like... I don't strong... Like, again, my only hatred towards Red Dead 2 is because you love it so much. Like, I... If it weren't for you, I feel I'd be I would feel different than Red Dead 2. Like am I technically more likely to try to GTA 6 campaign? I probably am. But that doesn't mean I will definitely play it. If I've got nothing else going on at the time, then I could see myself doing it. I'm not going to make a point to play it. Like I have to, I'm not going to put down everything. If GTA well, that won't happen. But like if a popular game comes out like a month before or a month after or a few weeks after GTA six, no other game's gonna come out the same fucking week or two. As a game like that. But I just Yeah. I just maybe. I can't promise anything. I'm not gonna I can't say yes, I can't say no. I I I have never felt FOMO for missing out on a Rockstar game, like a Rockstar story. I've just never felt it. I, if I don't play it, I don't care. That's, I, I think I've made my point. I was bummed when you didn't want to try Starfield, even though you said you were going to try it. So I'm holding my breath on this one. Yeah, yes, you should. You, I, that's what I will. T- that's what. Yeah. No one, no one get excited. Is what I will say. The okay, the only one. difference here is that. GTA 6 will get tens across the board, whereas Starfield was very much a mixed bag. I I think Peter would have tried Starfield if it wasn't as much of a mixed bag. I think if it was as again, Bethesda games have always been intimidating to me, but if it was as good as past Bethesda games were, I would have been more likely. But the fact that it was already a mixed bag in a game and a game I've never really played before, it's like, all right, then I'm fine. I uh I saw a comment online that I got a chuckle out of and it's worth considering is 2025 enough time for the third horizon game to come out two months or two (laughs) weeks to a month before. (laughs) I hope dude, I absolutely hope. And this time I hope that when we get the release date for GTA, we have the Horizon release date, and then just later in the day, they're just like, we're postponing Horizon. <laughs> we'll tell you when we're releasing it. We're waiting. <laughs> That's amazing. God, I hope. Watch out, Gorilla, please. All right. Well, I think this has been an episode. Do you guys agree? agree? Yeah. I think so, as well. Okay, well, this has been BNY episode. Ooh, I think it's 115. 115, I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know. You know what it is. You can see the episode title. We'll see you all next time. Well, goodbye, everybody. Peter's not going to say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye.